0: I like the um, I like heavy metal.
1: Yeah, so that... on time <laughs> <laughs> that was bang on it's very rare that we get a clap bang on like that, that i'm was very impressed Perfect. <laughs> what um you okay we just had this conversation on off air, off air but i want to bring it on air now um the taskmaster thing that you'd played this weekend yeah what other little things did you is it a bo- it's a board game right it, uh, yeah it's like, it's like a, it's
2: like a card game yeah it's like a board game card game and um okay the one person is the taskmaster and the rules are like the taskmaster's word is final. So you know how like on the show for anyone that doesn't watch taskmaster, it's like five comedians and they have to do these ridiculous tasks that are often quite out of the box thinking. And Greg Davies, if anyone doesn't know who Greg Davies is, he was the head teacher on In Between Us. But he sometimes is just a dick because he can be and it's funny. So like somebody will do, have like a really good effort at a task and think it deserves loads of points and just because he wants to rip the piss out of it or rip the piss out of it and give him one point. But anyway, most of the time it's it's judged on merit how well people complete a task. Um, but o- other little tasks that we did, there was it was like make the smallest sandwich you can. Um, and everyone else was obviously <laughs> going back to the little barbecue tray and picking up like the little bits of bread and making like tiny sandwiches. And there was me thinking I was all smart got a piece of paper and some tape and then another piece of paper and cut it down as finely as i could and had two bits of paper with a bit of tape in the middle and i was like well that's the smallest sandwich you could possibly get tape
1: sandwich tape
2: sandwich and they were like no because a a sandwich consists of two bits of bread and i was like so what are you calling this is uh, what what are you saying i've they were like well you've sandwiched some tape between two bits of paper so i said you've just admitted that it's a sandwich but it didn't fly, and I got no, one point. <laughs> did you not get on the technicality? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, what other one was there? There was. Um, there was. Fuck! What was this? Oh, God, I mean, I was pretty drunk by that point. Um, there was. Uh, make yourself a, uh, that. So one of them was make a bed, or like, lie on a bed, only using using the fewest steps. Um, So, yeah, make the, get, like, get onto the bed from the fewest steps. So, we were in the garden and, like, obviously, flower bed counts or, like, you know, like, there's a sofa. You could sort of class it as a bed or you know, like, garden seating kind of thing. Um, I can't remember what I did, but on the spot where I was, there was a bunch of stuff to the left of me. So I decided instead of taking any steps, I'd just pick all the stuff that, that I could up without taking a step, lay it on the floor, and then still without taking a step, I'd like slide my feet down and lie on this stuff and make sure that I wasn't touching the floor. It was like <laughs> yeah, I can't smart. remember what it was. I didn't I got one point again because apparently oh. it didn't count as a bed. So that was me trying to be oh. all fucking smart and it turns out
1: didn't work at <laughs> it all. Didn't quite work out for you. It was fun though. There's
2: it's great it's a great show and it's a great
1: game. So I tried. So I've, I've got a very I've got a failed Taskmaster story, right? Cool. So um, last at the beginning of last year, 2020, um, on the lead up to New Year, um, so I was get I was supposed to, I I got married in 2020. Mm. I was Supposed to get married in June, right? And so I would sent out or like my my best man had sent out all the invites to um my like stag group to who we were all supposed to go to Prague in April. And so the start up the lead up to New Year i was like i'm a bit bored i was sat at work and i was talking to one of my colleagues and i was like i, I think i could do a taskmaster so what i did was i printed i bought a pack of gold envelopes i printed off like this ta- taskmaster letter which was like hi you've been contacted by the t-. i had had everyone's um contact like addresses and emails and phone numbers and stuff for mm. all the stag contacts so i thought i might as well make use of this stuff and so i bought a big pack of gold envelopes i printed off this letter which is like hello you've been contacted by the taskmaster um, you have to, I think the first task was you have to do a self-portrait made out of only fruit and veg. (laughs) Please make this portrait, um, take a picture of it, send it to this email address, which was like taskmaster at gmail, whatever. I sent it to all of the people in my stag group. I was like, right, this could be really fun because I'll do one a month throughout the year. And I put at the end, I was like, if you want to take part get your entrance in by the 31st of this month. If you don't want to take part, you won't be contacted again, kind of thing. I tried to make it sound as least scary as possible. Mm. I got two responses and then went like, at the end of the month, I was like, well, fuck, I can't do anything with it now. Because only two people out of like 16 had responded. And so at the, like, I, I went to my friends and was like, so did no one want to take part in Taskmaster? And they were like, oh, I thought it was like some scam or like some phishing oh or something like God. that. Every single per almost every single person, was like freak the fuck out that though, they got a gold envelope in the post. Fair play <laughs> you know for the for the length of effort that you
2: went to to keep that as original yeah, as possible. Man. And it-
1: I had I had twelve <laughs> months worth of tasks. Like one of them was going to be um, in in Prague. Was going to the task was going to be find the stag, and I was just going to run off somewhere, and then they got to come and find me. But like, I just never got to do it. So I think at some point, at somewhere down the line. I'm going to start again, try the once thing again, and let's just see if it works. And just hope that... This, maybe I'll put my name on it this time so that everyone just goes with it. <laughs> <Taskmaster laughs> by post is quite cool. Never mind Mate, the
2: postcode lottery, it sounds great. just Greg Davis turning up at your door like, oi! <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would be a good laugh. Um, okay, this week... Uh, actually, we've, we've got... so. Well actually we I, I quite enjoyed the questions last week from that we got in from Eli Roberts. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pose another one to you here cool. because the one on, on fantasy on. football last week was quite a good discussion. Um so I'm gonna go with this one, which is what is the best live match you've ever seen and why? Um The best live match if I've ever seen. You've got one off the top of your head, great. If you don't, we'll have a think about it and oh, <laughs> then we'll come back to um, it
2: maybe later on. Yeah, I think I have I think I have one. Um I think it might have been Forrest Burton on the first day of the season a few years ago. Like, oh, okay. It was in a little it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was like Burton's second year in the championship, or third year in the championship. Nigel Clough was definitely managing them. Um, but it was 4-3 Forrest. Forrest were a shambles. They, I don't know how they won 4-3. But Matty Cash came through, and it was like, I think Joe Worrell was starting to come through. And... It was just, it was just enjoying to see all these young players just wanting to play football. And that's, I think it was that. You know, Leeds in the Prem where they're like, they might win four three, but they've let three goals in. But they've just, they've just thought solid. We're just going to out. Yeah, exactly. It felt, fo- <laughs> it, it was kind of like that performance. We couldn't defend for shit, but we were just playing well and attacking, and it was enjoyable to watch. I think that's probably it. Plus, because I think it's the first time I'm going to say a, a Forest thing is up there with one of my favourite memories. So <laughs> there's not yeah. many
1: what about you um i mean mine's mine's dead easy mine is the 2014 playoff final yeah there is nothing that comes close to a last minute winner when you're down to 10 at wembley that gets you promoted to the premier league i'm going to completely bypass the season that came after that because it wasn't great but (laughs) for like i mean from the, the the morning of like it was like me my uncle two cousins and we got the train up from from kent up to london and We'd got like a McDonald's breakfast, and we had some cans on the train, and then I think we we'd gone into like a Ladbrokes and put like loads of bets on in the morning as well. Taking the walk up Wembley Way and stuff, and just seeing like the sea of blue and white, what, and then what were the odds on the Richard Keogh, Keogh crying? Oh know oh, no. <laughs> I don't know whether I told this story in the podcast before, but I've got um my Christmas present to my uncle and my cousins this like I think the the sort of Christmas after that May. Was just a picture of Zamora's winner, so sort of like you can see Keo's face in that, and he's just sort of <laughs> in complete agony because he's the one that's made the mistake that's had the ball land at his feet, at Zamora's feet. Yeah. Um, but that that mean that that day, like the day of the playoff final in 2014, was just mint because I think we we actually got the, we ended up leaving London quite early and getting the train back to Canterbury. And then watching the Champions League final that night, which oh. was Atletico Real. Or oh, was that the one where Ramos scored bails. a header in the last Ramos, minute? Yeah, that's it. Ramos in the last minute, and then it. Got, I think they they ended up winning four one in extra time, and that yeah. was a fucking great game as well. It was a great so, game.
2: That was the one where uh, hadn't there was something about Costa wasn't there like Simeone?
1: Yes, the, he played for six minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then ran off, and it was like, why did you do that? To do it was all to do with his with it like with some injury he had, like his hamstring or something. Yeah. He didn't look comfortable in the warm up started the game played about six minutes went off and then i mean i feel like i still managed to go one up and they were like mm. seconds away from from winning and then Ramos scored that header i mean that was a good day for football all around um so that is probably that's probably mine if you if anyone wants to actually send in questions for either either a Q and A episode we do with with ben or just these intros just to give us something to talk about before we go into the interviews um we are god what is our email address it's really fucking long it's... um pod <laughs> pod.heavymetalfootball at gmail.com that is where you send stuff or twitter or instagram either find the social account of the of the podcast or me and matt mm-hmm. um did you uh oh you didn't i'm gonna i'm
2: gonna call you out straight on this before we go to the mate, um, go go before for it. we go to the the introduction of the guest <laughs> that that's the word <laughs> the introduction of the guest um did you see that picture of Jesse Lingard molded into Ronaldinho?
1: Lingardinho, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the 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 Barca shirt. Yeah, yeah, I did. yeah. <laughs> <Shocking> <laughs> out. He's been
2: on an absolute <laughs> fucking tear. It's mad, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I, do you remember in that England episode where we're saying to Ben like? I love the idea, oh, I but like I just fool. reject the sentiment. And then three weeks later, here we are shoving our words yeah. down our
1: throat. Mate, I feel like an absolute fool after that episode. There's, I, there's a couple of players in there who have just over the last I, six weeks have either fallen off or yeah, come so strong. I've,
2: I've Since that episode, I realised that in the heat of that episode, I was just trying to get the players in. I want to go to the Euros as opposed to predicting it. <laughs> so like Madison, I think I'm pretty accepted, accepting of the fact I'm not sure he's going to go... Um, I think I'm sort of accepting of the fact that Lingard might go.
1: <laughs> he's uh, he's he's there for me now. Uh, I reckon yeah. I've fully really come round to the fact but that then, Ben was bang on but, with that one. Uh, fucking Jesus! What? The- <laughs> <laughs>
2: this this is the other thing. I texted you this earlier. Like Lingard's gone to play at West Ham and and looks he's playing really well. He's elevated them and he's honestly, you know, maybe yeah. pushing them to top four. What is gonna what is Deli Ali gonna do?
1: He ne- he yeah. does need. He's a He's got right? to go
2: somewhere. I think yeah
1: it's one of those like it's, he just needs a bit of a fresh just a fresh start somewhere just somewhere that isn't under the toxic he just needs to play football Mourinho. do you know what i mean yeah. and
2: if if that is a case of him going to play at psg or something to play to be able to play attacking football and not have to run back like sure go and do it yeah. he's
1: too much wasted talent but to be sat on the bench at, yeah. at the new white hart lane well probably. he did a, yeah.
2: he did an instagram live last night and i only know this because i clicked on it by accident um and this morning i was scrolling down twitter and i saw it was like an out of context page or whatever and uh, it said deli alley deli ali giving the signs here and there was a comment on his instagram live saying touch your hat if you're Mourinho out and deli ali's just <laughs> holding his hat
1: <laughs> that's what they do with britney spears it's like wear yellow if you're if you're scared for your life or something And then britney spears will do like a, an instagram post and she's got like a yellow yeah top it and, that, and everyone's God. like oh my gosh she's wearing yellow that fucking yeah. is something else. <laughs> touch your hat if you're Mourinho out <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: sneaky oh
2: dear right well right
1: this week that brings us on to the guest yeah, yeah. go on him Matt. you introduce him
2: yeah so the guest this week is uh dan Olds. he's the drummer from a band called palm reader um palm reader are a british metal band they've been going for for quite a few years now their uh, their latest album sleepless is really good it's got a lot of elements of like meshuggah to to like warped or post hardcore and then arcane roots it's it's just a bit, bit of tones bit, in, bit in there like really nice tones really nice like soaring melodies some you know a lot of good a lot of good um few cool time signatures and this is just a really good record and they're just a really good band and they're as good live um and, and dan's a bournemouth fan so luckily we got a team that wasn't united or in the premier league which is it's not too common <laughs> a is it first for us <laughs> yeah it's the first for us yeah. um but yeah it was it was a good chat
1: But before we crack into anything, I need to ask you about the escape room. Like we need to we need to talk yeah. about that, I think. Go for it's it. Like, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. it like working in an escape room? I think that's where we start here, right?
0: <laughs> um, so at the start, like when you're first learning stuff, it's like like a really cheap Disneyland, like, oh, I'm basically just hanging around with my mates, just playing around in like rooms that have themes and like just, just messing around. And then the more you wo- the longer you work there. The more frustrated you get at how bad people are at them, (laughs) so you you go from like having such wonder in your face, like "Oh, this is great! I love it! I love it!" and then you slowly just sort of like "You fucking (laughs) idiot!"
1: Yeah, you can
0: can hear people just screaming through the walls, in it. It's just exactly that
1: under the teddy. It's always been under the teddy, for Christ's sake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's not too far away from that at all. What kind of themes have you got? What
1: what what what's what's the theme for the escape room you're working? Uh,
0: so we got eight different rooms. Okay, it's pretty uh, big. Now. Where is it? Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. live in Nottingham now, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, Escape Logic. Okay. Uh, near Castle Gate, like you know, you used to live in Nottingham, didn't you? I'm, from Nottingham, yeah. Are you from, Nottingham? I'm from Nottingham. Yeah. You're from Nottingham. From yeah. yeah, um, Nottingham, yeah. you know where? Um, the MS and and the old Pret and all that near um, Broadmarsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just there. Okay, it's in like a, a little basement down there. Damn. Okay. Nice. So if you if you ever in uh well once you're back in Nottingham and if you fancy a game like we're allowed to give out free ones. Mate, so if you want to come and have a play, you do. You don't <laughs> have to
2: ask me that twice. I will be there. The day the day it opens, <laughs> I've got a party of six ready. <laughs> knocking at the door. <laughs> Fuck's
0: Um But yeah, we got um. We got like two horror theme ones. Uh one of them's like proper horror. Um, it's called Butcher, which is like eighteen plus. We've had like people crying in there, we've had like people oh, being sick in there. It's it's messed up. Um the other one's sort of like I don't know, like Scooby Doo sort of like jumpy sort of mm. stuff. So it's mm. not like it's not scary, but like spooky. Know, it's like sp- spooky yeah. for the kids and all that. Some- and then we got a uh a Warhammer 40k room as well which uh, is mad. That's funny. <laughs> that's very funny. Nice one.
2: Right, well um how good does it feel to be announcing shows and festivals again? Obviously fingers crossed that they all happen for everybody, but considering that you've written and released a record in in this time am I right? Or have you has this new record been on the go for a while?
0: Um so we recorded in January of last year, yeah. so this was before everything kicked off, mm. and uh, we were all hopeful, been like really happy with how the record sounded, and then come February March, you just sort of like, okay, well this isn't gonna yeah. affect the record. It's like shows are gonna be cancelled for summer. That's quite fortunate because we're having summer off, and then it just continues, <laughs> and still haven't played a show. But if everything's going to plan, then I'm very very hopeful so, that the, le- the latter end of the year but i can imagine um you as well pals that's most of your work's been
2: yeah man i mean like, stop dead last year i got home so we went i went to australia at the back end of uh, december 27th i flew out to australia last year to do some festivals nice. of young blood and like these pop festivals and whatever and coronavirus was like in the news and stuff but we didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We hadn't really. It, you, you know those kind of things that happen in the news. You know when Ebola came out and everyone was like, "Oh, we're all fucking dead," and and then two <laughs> weeks later it was like nothing had ever happened.
1: Yeah. In Australia,
2: yeah, yeah. we were like, "Oh, the wildfires are more important than this fucking coronavirus stuff." We'll, oh, oh, one hundred. percent that was like the start. Will be fine. Year, that was yeah. Like, I wow. mean, we were there. We were fly because you fly every day in Australia. Um, yeah. And every day we'd see like parks and parks and rec employees and like firefighters just flying out to, to combat them the first festival we were supposed to do actually got cancelled because of a wildfire um all right and we were just like oh it'll be fine so i came home from australia i was supposed to have two weeks off and then go out for six months with young blood and then six months of neck deep and i was barely home
0: um, bloody hell
2: and i remember i, th- I was th- i thought like you know what I'll have this two weeks. I'll just do nothing. I'll just be really lazy and just have like a nice little feet up rest because I'm not going to be here all year. And yeah. then yeah, yeah. I didn't leave. And it's a year later. <laughs> <That> turns <laughs> <into two laughs> years. It, it turns still into two years. That. I've still got my feet up. Yeah. Oh man. Um, but what a fucking Jesus Christ. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like writing and releasing a record as well. So you said you had the summer off, but like the yeah. record itself. I was obviously like, I listened to it a little bit this last week and messaged you yesterday about it and sort of just said how I felt. But like, it sound like in a space of 10 minutes, I felt like yep. I'd gone from listening to Mastodon, Meshuggah, like 08 Warped Tour post-hardcore to then Deftones and then even a bit of Arcane Roots, actually. Some of it reminded me of Arcane I Roots. Like,
0: Love it. That's... How,
2: within <laughs> within the space of 10 minutes for me to get all those feelings from, from this record... Without, I'm not shitting on your past records, of course, but I could quite firmly say I think this is your best record yet. How? Oh, I, I think. Yeah. All of us
0: can firmly say yeah. that for sure.
2: How? How do you feel about the record itself? And then, obviously, like it's it was really well received as well. Like, you know, yeah. Not that not yeah. that that's a surprise. I'm just saying, like, it was ri- <laughs> <laughs> it was really well received in the sense of like people were actually taking it for what it was and being like, "This is really good." How did that? feel because you've been doing palm reader for for what well, 10 years now it's like
0: yeah so yeah. we had our like 10 year anniversary last year and it has felt like a bit of a uh, like an uphill battle constantly um but like the the first two records sort of fallen on deaf ears a little bit because they were just sort of like scrappy hardcore records as it were and then with uh, braille our third record and this one you sort of started to notice a little bit of a progression uh, in terms of, like, people coming to shows and are, like, playing together as well. And um, it with, with Sleepless, it just felt like we were doing something that we've always wanted to do. I think you've we found had the... your sound, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've I've seen a few people, like, write about, like, this is what happens when you like allow a band to be done to yeah yeah and that, that i feel that's spot on because we wouldn't have been able to write stuff like we've written on this record of the first one and i'm just really excited to see how we can move on from that because mm. we definitely don't want to write the same record twice no so for sure whatever's in the future i mean it it's got like it's it's got everything
2: like there's there was the first song really really reminded me of what's that mastodon I think it's oblivion um mastodon okay there's a there's a, there's a few like notes in it and a few melodies that really reminded me of that mastodon song, and then then literally like two minutes later it reminds me of I am colos by' a sugar, and I'm like <laughs> this is sick and then but there's this like overriding Deftones, tones arcane roots feel about it that is just i mean it's yeah, it's perfect, it's fucking sick, I love it,
0: I think that comes from all five of us having incredibly different music tastes mm. so it's just sort of like all of our influences coming together but also the time we're all trying to fight each other with what we want and it sort of amalgamates in like all of our influences just coming coming into one one song or another yeah if you know what i mean just kind of it-
1: becomes this really nice cocktail of all sorts of different stuff like Yeah, if you've not, you've 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 obviously not played any of these songs live yet. Is there a song that you're like itching to get out there and like play?
0: Um, so the single we released called "A Bird in Its Feathers." Um, that is the one that I want to play the most, just because the end of it is just sort of like it's this big, like open breakdown in six eight, and I've just been able to write all these stupid fills for it, and like they're not on the record because. I tend to do this thing where I make up some tastier fills after I've recorded it and I just cannot wait to play them live. (laughs) (laughs) See, do you, do you
2: have anyone in the band that when you're thinking of these parts, do you have anyone in the band that's like, don't put that fill on the record because it's too elaborate or because you've thought about it too much (laughs) and it affects the song or are you, are you completely, you write whatever? Because this is a thing that I seems to be more of a prominent thing nowadays. Is drummers are really starting to elevate bands in ways that I don't think necessarily have been done so much or so like so like it's not so widely accepted. Like Josh Manuel, for example, if Issues didn't have Josh yeah. Manuel, they'd still be a great band, but Josh Manuel elevates that band to the next level because he's such a good drummer and he has open play with his parts. Do you, is that yeah, how it works yeah. in palm reader or are you like you have a confined
0: space to do um i don't think it's like when well, in the writing process i'm more like because i can't tell like an a c chord from a fucking f chord mm-hmm. or, or whatever that i sort of just take the the rhythmic standpoint but josh andy and sam Are all incredibly good at explaining like drum speak. Right. I don't know if um you 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 get it where like, like the guitarists and drummers are completely different levels Mm. of like how they communicate. Yeah. And like they're really good at explaining what they want, and um, then I'll just add my little flavor to it for the record. And then when it comes to the record being out or like it's recorded, then I get to sit on it for a bit. And just add bits that I didn't think of.
2: Yeah, I hear you. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> I mean, it. I love. Well, I mean, it's like live live fills as well.
0: If you can embellish yeah, any yeah. part
2: live, then for sure. It's yeah, exactly
0: that. Like um, Connor Dennis in oh Earth, yeah, he's on the not It's so fucking that, good. That... He doesn't record any of the drums, but I think he started live. to now.
2: You know.
1: Have i he? think oh, i right. think
2: recently yeah like i think he started to on um, we did warp tour in 2017 and beartooth was on our stage and every day like yeah it would either be beartooth before us or after us and i just yeah. have to sit stand and watch him and i remember <laughs> i remember one day like he he had this real nice gretch kit and mm. their sound guy came up to me because we always set our tents up next to each other. And the sound guy came up to yeah. me, the sound guy's r- real, real good guy, so talented, I think called Brian. Um, yeah. He was like, Yo, can you tune Connor's drums? <laughs> so I did. <laughs> and <laughs> Hell yeah. I'd like been getting, I'd been getting, I- I'd I, known Connor before briefly because he played in Be In His Ocean a little bit. And obviously, like Climate's yeah, Time, yeah, we've yeah, been yeah. touring with them a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I remember Connor came up to me and bear in mind I'd known Connor like three, four years at this point. Connor like laid into me. He was like, don't ever fucking tune my drums. I was like, holy shit. Well, like what's... Really? Yeah, bro.
0: <laughs> yeah, and oh, I was Jesus. like, what? why? Like... In all seriousness, was always he fucking... Oh no, he
2: was serious. He was serious. Oh, and he was like, I was like, why bro? Because you sit on Danny's kit every day and you're like, these sound awesome and love playing them. And then I've tuned yours and like, they sound good. And he was like, because it's not them he's like this was connor's thing connor's was like i make them sound good by hitting them right it's all in my hands <laughs> and honestly his okay. his kit sounded so thwangy on its own he had no moon gels no you know nothing on the bottom to like mute the resonance nothing it was pretty much he would put the heads on cranked him a little bit and just worn them down and in time they were yeah. so thwangy but honestly in the mix fucking hell i think when Mm. he says it's me that makes them sound good it was like you're not joking like you make them sound (laughs) great yeah what a drummer you do you do you ever look at connor and think like back in the 30s or the 40s when people used to go to jazz clubs to strictly watch drummers i feel like connor is in that bracket of like he was born to play drums and oh for sure he is if he was in if he was like back in the 30s or 40s he'd have been like a famous person that would have Definitely yeah, accentuated yeah, yeah. culture to this day.
0: Like a buddy rich sort of yeah. style of icon sort of. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Oh for
1: sure. Yeah. Fucking they shit. um I think it was Beartooth that supported architects like two I think it was two years ago I saw them in Cardiff and yeah. the, the I this, this kind of the the drummer did this huge fill halfway through the set and it was something that me and a bunch of friends after the show were still talking about afterwards. Like it was that impressive. We kind of left a show where they were I think they were only second on the bill and yet we'd left this, yeah. like we'd left the show afterwards with like that like that it was it was about six minutes six to eight minutes just kind of solo in the middle of the set mm. that just kind of blew everyone Oof. away
0: yeah he's amazing man like there's there's few drummers where I think like yeah this this set requires a drum solo but his his style is just sort of like it didn't yeah, feel forced either that. though it Isn't was it? like yeah.
1: it kind of felt like it was um, it felt really not natural but just kind of it didn't feel like it was just there for the sake of it like mm, it felt mm-hmm. like it, really did add something to what was already
0: a pretty good set, which I thought yeah. was quite impressive. He's a showman, sick. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He is a showman. I'm yet to see him live, yeah. Oh, bro. I really hope I get. He's to see
2: him. fucking insane. He's so good. It's it's not even fair. Sometimes
0: some of the fills he
2: does, <laughs> and like, obviously he he said it's all down to like a sick. He said his his foundation and his foundation is a six strip roll. Because he can just translate it to all over the kit. So he's doing left hand, right hand, kick, left, right, right, left. Do you know what I mean? And he's done this fill that's super fast and he's not even thought about it. And he said it's yeah, he said his foundation, it's all like it's all six stroke roll. He's like, once you've got this down, you can translate it and adapt it to anything. Prolong it. And he's like he's like a lot of it is just bullshit. He's just I'm just really good at six (laughs) stroke rolls and I'm like, Yeah, but it's being it's being so good at that one thing that you can elevate your whole game. And you saying yeah. it's bullshit,
0: I would have to practice for like five years to even be able to do this well. And the fact that he's like young 20s as well. Yeah. bothers me so much. Yeah. It bothers me. So hard. Yeah. <laughs> bothers me. Mm. It, has,
2: it has solid. bothered me and it still bothers me. Mm. What the fuck was I doing when I was in my early 20s? Yeah. Like, I should have been practicing yeah. more. All this time I've spent playing FIFA and no, I should have been doing molar <laughs> technique for three hours a day. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very 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 true
1: yeah. um we um we ask each of our guests like to put together like a match day playlist and stuff at the end of at the end of the show um yeah for like our listeners to get to know like the guest music taste and stuff and yeah was looking through your social channels recently and like you guys as a band have been doing that for like a little while i think is each member I mean, if, I, if yeah. i'm right anyway yeah, yeah. each member like puts a playlist together and you just kind of promote it on your shows on your social channels like do you yes, enjoy yeah. putting
0: those together and like what, what do you think you get from that as a band? Um so this we've for the first time we've started promoting it, like we used to just sort of put playlists together for us all to enjoy without mm. using it as like a promotion tool for the band. But mm. um doing it recently it was quite fun because over lockdown I found myself not really listening to anything heavy. Same. It's just been like either like dance artists or like just lo-fi stuff and it's really interesting to hear what everyone else has been listening to because i have no idea what they've been listening to so um it's it's kind of i'm sorry I'm just cracking open a beer um, <laughs> mate by all means which beer uh, another heineken zero i've been i've been completely sober for an entire year now oh my god yeah, that's impressive yeah i I don't know why i've done it this year but <laughs> it's uh it's been it's been all right <laughs> more willpower than me mate. <laughs> but, um yeah for the for the playlist it was just sort of something that's just come a little bit maybe a little bit too late for us we should have should have been doing it for out of all of lockdown but um it's just nice to Get all your music together that you've been listening to and share it with someone who might enjoy it as well. Who's somebody that's yeah. really,
2: like, come up front this year and taken hold of you and said, like, I'm one of your favourite artists or bands?
0: Um, So I was really into Joji. Yeah, I like Joji. Um, he... What's that? I like Joji. Slow Dancing in the Dark yeah. is a good song. Oh, it's a banger. Yeah. Absolutely banger. Let's have a little look-see, sorry. Um. So... Andy showed me a guy called Tony Anderson, which is sort of like just wild fucking soundscape, like electro stuff, and it goes on okay. for like seven minutes, eight minutes. And um he showed me it on a drive down to London and I was like, This is insane. Like you when you've got proper good van speakers and you can hear everything. Mm. Absolutely lovely. it. Is it like
1: um like instrumental stuff, any vocals, anything like that? Uh
0: Mostly instrumental. There's yeah, a couple cool. of vocals like sprinkled every now and again. Yeah. Uh Ross from Friends.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I
0: yeah. um I heard heard them in an ice cream shop in uh in London a couple of years ago and I didn't know what it was and I found them recently. Or found him recently and I was like, This is fucking sick. Um and then just sort of post rock as well, like Mogwai and This Will Destroy You. Is that mm.
2: a new Mogwai record, didn't it get number one?
0: It did, Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah fucking
0: Mate, a they've been around for couple of ages. Weeks.
2: Yeah, it was that sort of like was... set off of you, at six, Mogwai, architects, bring me. Yeah, just mad. Good time for young blood, just good time for Rock. Well, um, <laughs> so Bournemouth. Are you from Bournemouth?
0: Uh, I'm from, well, the closest big team is Bournemouth, yeah, but I'm from like a middle of nowhere village in Dorset. Right.
1: Okay.
2: Right. But I mean, Bournemouth, you attached to it, but, like, what was your. How did how did that come about? Like, how did you? Obviously, you said that the, you know they're the closest big team, but how did you attach to Bournemouth? Because I imagine when when did you get into football when you were younger, like pre ten years yeah, old? Yeah.
0: So I think I started uh, thinking that football was the the be all and end all. Like two thousand one, two thousand two. Okay, like, so you'd um, have been about eight, seven, eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. I it was thinking it was just because like towards the end of like. Um, first school everyone was playing it and it's like well I've got to play it too I had no idea about it just um stick the fat kid in goal <laughs> just uh that's rule number one from-
1: of playground football I
0: think <laughs> yeah you a goalie. it works yeah for, for my um for like year six and then I had a growth spurt and I could actually run so I played a little bit outfield interesting but uh, I was um yeah so I just sort of got into football from um my sister being an Arsenal fan and my my dad and my mum being Bournemouth fans and being like an 8 9 year old you want the glory mm. so it was mainly sort of gravitating towards Arsenal because they were the big team it was over like or united <laughs> yeah 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 so I wanted although like I was interested in bournemouth because my parents supported them i was always like no arsenal the best team arsenal the best team because they actually win stuff and um then the invincible season happened and that was like peak like love of football i was just obsessed with arsenal and everything they had going on and um and then after that I think it was more of a, a Bournemouth interest. It was that uh, 1-0 loss to United on their 49th game, or their 50th game. That was heartbroken. So I was like, I'm not supporting Arsenal anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what else? what yeah. else is available? You
1: might have got out
0: at the right time, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think
1: you, uh, you rode the wave to its complete peak and then were like, I'm getting off here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and, so uh, Bournemouth would have been coming
2: up, really, about the time that you'd have sort of latched onto it. You'd have sort, were, of sort of witnessed the journey from, was it, le- didn't, didn't they just Well, they would have almost, got,
1: almost gone out of business, yeah, I think, right. around the end of the, two th- like, the early 2000s, I think.
0: It was, but, it was like, I think 2007, 2008, okay. that they were having like, the bad time, where like, they were whipping buckets around, getting everyone to chuck whatever change they could <laughs> to support the club um so that was just before that which was like the the league two years like the, the trips to grimsby the trips to chester you know those sort of games which um not that exciting as a kid but it was just nice to go to football with my dad mm-hmm. and um yeah we went to all sorts of away games like plymouth and qpr and uh, both bristols <laughs> are you a qpr fan yeah <laughs> Nice. Yeah. I um, I rang I rang my dad for some football stories, and apparently I got chucked out of a pub at QPR. <laughs> oh, what? nice. Uh, age eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Age eleven. Yeah. I, don't, I don't tell. I don't say that uh, that bit. It's just. Uh, yeah. It makes me sound a lot more interesting. Yeah. You sound a lot harder
1: a if you just don't mention the
0: fact you're eleven years old. Yeah. A lot, <laughs> exactly, a, lot yeah, yeah. a lot
1: more firmy. <laughs> yeah.
0: I have my Stone Island on.
1: <laughs> so what's a um. What's a typical day out like at the Vitality then? What does that look like? Because I um I went to uni in Bournemouth and so I know bits and pieces. I I went to the Vitality a few times um to work oh, for nice. the like marketing and PR department for a bit. Um and I did some sound recordings there, but like I'd kind of turn up before way before kickoff and leave, way after. Like what's the what's okay. the match day what's the match day like as a fan? Like where's the best place to drink and stuff like that beforehand and what does a typical um, day look
0: like? So in terms of drinking, I can't really comment because I, my dad's not really a, a drinker either. So okay. we just sort of we just walk down from um like there's a there's a golf course quite near it, and we used to park up there and walk like probably I don't know probably like 10, 15 minute walk from that golf club to the uh, to the ground, and like the the more the closer you walk, the more fans start joining you, and it's just this nice little feeling of community that you can just see all these people just heading towards the vitality. And um, you get there, um, there's this one guy always in a sort of red and black tights and a, like a black and red, like fake Afro wig selling raffle tickets. (laughs) And then (laughs) that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty much like it for the, the outside of the stadium. There's not too much going on because it's quite small and like, Definitely into the Premier League years. It was the smallest stadium. It's
1: so like what is
0: it like twenty thousand something like that? Not even that. It's no. twelve.
1: Oh, is it twelve? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Small. But that is that is small, isn't it? How um, whereabouts do you sit in the ground? Where it did you have like a season ticket or anything like that? Or
0: uh so my my parents have season tickets mm. and um, Are they near the Stephen Steve- Fletcher mural or <laughs> oh, no, the Steve Fletcher stand is the uh, is the rowdy stand. Won't be going there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we're on the um, the left hand side, I think the east the east stand. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's called the Ted McDougall stand. I think it is. I can't remember. I haven't been in so long. Um, so we just sit there nearer the uh, nearer the north stand, and um, it's it's just great being there. I really miss it. Talking about it now has just got me thinking about how much I want to go again. <laughs> Love it. I mean, it's, mm. it's
2: like Bournemouth are one of those teams for me that it, it, it's a difficult one to try and describe without shitting on them. Because obviously like it's a small, it, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not trying to sound like I'm shitting on them. It's just sort of like saying what it is. They're a small club. Yeah. yeah. It's not a big city or town. It's sort of quite confined, but yeah, yet yeah. they have this, they have this like, in the last, like, I would say at least, I mean, maybe eight years now, like, good football culture, good players, good infrastructure, Hmm. always very smart, but nothing really past that in terms of, like, evolution, so to speak. So, yeah, obviously, there's two big talking points that we're probably going to move on to. One being Eddie Howe, which I'm sure we'll come to, but, like, in terms of, like, Bournemouth as a fan, like... Obviously, we we always ask like, how does it go down within Bournemouth fans? I don't know if you're massively in touch with Bournemouth fans, but like, lots of like lots of good young players go through Bournemouth. So we've we've got like Lewis Cook, yeah. Lewis Cook, Lloyd Kelly, obviously Aaron Ramsdale had a great year there. Dominic Solanke's yeah. gone there, is now started scoring scoring goals. Sam Surridge coming up. Um, you know, like how how does it feel to be a Bournemouth fan and have like this good footballing infrastructure, a club that seems to be run really well? And actually, probably, if anything, overperforming a lot in the last eight years. But then it are not seeming to be some massive evolution. Like, how does it sit with Bournemouth fans and yourself?
0: Um, I think, for the most part, we are, as you said, we're definitely overachieving. Like, the Premier League seasons, we had no business being there. But we're all sort of in this collective shock that we're there you did it, it, they
2: didn't come up and just play 4-4-2 alibi style for the sake of it to try and not lose did they they came up no, no played no, we, good football
0: yeah we, we went for it like i think we we beat every team except city mm. that was the only team that we didn't get a result of in the five seasons that we were there so like it was exciting to watch and like some of the the best games that have ever happened at the vitality, like that 4-3 against Liverpool. Yeah, oh, great game. Like, it was insane. <laughs> um, but it's it's hard because, yeah, you can be frustrated at how, like, and that there's not this want to sort of push on a little bit further, but at the same time, I don't feel like we... Not that we should, but that we can. Because, as you said, we're a small small town small stadium not probably not enough money going in to really get a bigger stadium or the fan base to do that Mm. because even though we could build like a a twenty thousand seat stadium now that we're in the championship i don't really see people going so like i you're still you're still having a good year
2: though yes that's the thing with like oh yeah with bournemouth especially like i feel like clubs get to these and teams get to these points where they have they've acquired a certain amount of infrastructure and quality in terms of players staff you know like just a standard to adhere to and it's hard to lose it once you get to that because obviously for anything that goes out you have to create value so yeah. Ramsdale going to Sheffield obviously like you had who's who's the keeper now it's not Mark Travers it? it's, the it's other... Boruch again isn't it it's Boruch yeah. no
0: it's um, Begovic
2: Begovic that's Begovic, it, that's that's it. it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. like still a, um, a well proven keeper um, yeah yeah, yeah. I was you've got, surprised like, that we signed Dan, him. that Dan Juma's come through obviously still got Jefferson Lerma there like is Ric- oh. Rico still there Rico yeah he's still there it's good players and like if those players move on Bournemouth are going to surely hmm. bring in the equivalent quality so it's like I th- yeah. feel like Bournemouth might be one of these limbo teams that you know a bit like Burnley when they were up they were down they were up they were down I feel like Bournemouth sort yeah, of embodied yeah. that, that that team yeah
0: yeah. I I feel like if we don't go up this year we're going to be losing a lot of those players mm. Dan Juma especially like he's for me he's been the star of this season so I think I was I was looking on Instagram today and I think a few Premier League sides are uh, eyeing him up now uh, uh, Begovic will go for sure. Um, I think we'll have like the the mainstays, like maybe like Adam Smith and Junior Stanislas and stuff. They've been with us since the very beginning. Yeah. Steve Cook, yeah, yeah. So, so I imagine they'll stay. But in terms of like the the star quality that we've got now, I think they'll be going. It's just if we can replace them that I'm worried about. <laughs> So in terms of like the direction, the the
1: thing with Bournemouth was they always say like with having Eddie Howe at the helm, he had yeah. a very sort of clear footballing kind of philosophy. He clearly had a hand in bringing in the players as well. So mm. you always kind of felt like there was a steady hand, whether they were sort of moving up the leagues or sort of just lingering around sort of mid to mid to lower table of the Premier League. Now yeah. he's gone and they've I th- are you what on your third manager no. It's Woodgate in charge at the moment, is that who's Yeah it's Woodgate, yeah yeah. yeah. So how are you feeling like sort of post Eddie Howe now, now the sort of safety net is gone?
0: Um so to me it just sort of feels like you can you can complain when they're there, mm-hmm. but once they're gone, you kinda miss them. Dad's left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's very much thought sort of like um it's uh with with Eddie Howe you could tell that some players really didn't like the way that he managed oh, okay and for that I feel like that cost us some like good relationships that would have helped us stay in the Premier League like um the season that we had Ramsdale like last season it's. I think Begovic and him had a massive falling out, which I kind of feel like if we had that that Premier League experience, that would have helped us stay up. Although Ramsdale did have a great season, I feel like if we had like a backup, to yeah, him, then
1: we could have. Didn't Begovic leave for so- he went to Karabag or somewhere in Kazakhstan? Yeah, for yeah, yeah, He popped up in some uh, just some strange team in the Champions League that no one expected him to be there.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 I think that's purely down to him and uh, how having disagreements and um i think a, a few players had disagreements with him but he he did good for the club like if if we didn't have him then we'd still be in the the, the lower rungs of league two and league one no one would know or care who bournemouth was it's a, or is, so. it's a
2: funny thing eddie howe for me because mm. we we see these like we see these young and up-and-coming coaches like julian nagelsman at, at leipzig and obviously like started out with hoffenheim who were not the the most elaborate in terms of budget or like fanciful in terms of bringing in these big players and then leaps at going game to me if you take eddie howe eddie howe's achievements on paper of what he's done for that Mm. club and then this whole talk of why does eddie howe never get a big job like i think he sort of maybe deserves a shot at a big job to be seen in the it, to see in the one. same light as people like Nagelsmann, these young coaches, because he's what he's thirty five, isn't he, Eddie Howe? Yeah, he's he's
0: definitely not cracking for no. Now.
2: And it's it's funny when people, you know, to me, obviously, I'd not been a Bournemouth fan, like I don't know the the ins of it, but like how how did how were the Bournemouth fans taken to him after the years of what he's achieved for the club, but obviously then wanting some longevity and. Purposeful direction. Were they resentful of him? Would they want him gone, or were they always pro, pro Eddie Howe?
0: No, no, no. I think I feel like with with Bournemouth, um, if you feel like, well, say you've you've done incredible things for the club, like Eddie Howe and like Nathan Ake, and um, among like Callum Wilson as well, then you wish them. It's just the general consensus around Bournemouth fans. You wish them well, and you want to see them progress. Mm. Like you, you'll be you'll be happy for them. But it's and then you get absolute snakes like Ryan Fraser, who ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, er, fucking hate him. <laughs> um, just, everyone just like everyone just wants him to just fail miserably. So like if you do good for the club, then everyone's just sort of in the consensus of like do it, mm. do better things. Like you can't stay at Bournemouth. Like if you're if you're meant for greater things, just go for it. You know? Yeah we're not going to hold you back um but yeah if you if you fuck around with us then well we want to see your career crash and burn glorious failure it kind of sounds like um
1: i suppose that mentality and i guess kind of eddie Howe kind of personifies this as well it's like bournemouth was always kind of quite a mild-mannered town i felt like i lived there for three years it always seemed like the kind of place where it only had sort of students and old people in there was no one in the middle, so once you kind of you went oh, in yeah. as a student and then you left and so it yeah. was always like <clears throat> I think I went to a like a, a, a I don't know a handful of games with the vitality and it was always just quite mild mannered like really quite um there was that corner I guess where you um that I said whether you know this kind of Steve Fletcher big picture is the stand or whatever that was yeah, quite yeah. rowdy, but I wouldn't say it was anything.
0: Oh no. Like, it wasn't like, raucous.
1: It was just loud, no. I
0: suppose. Yeah. Anyone who's saying that Bournemouth has got like a like a, a good sort of loud fan culture is kidding themselves. <laughs> it is It's nice. Very, isn't it? Yeah, it's very <laughs> pleasant. Like it's a it's a nice trip to the beach. Like no one's come into Bournemouth scared. It's it's quite it's quite um hard to sort of instill any fear in any team because you know when like you're, oh you're playing at someone's home ground like oh it's it's an absolute fortress you Millwall. Yeah. But I think we're all thinking that yeah. <laughs> with with the vitality it's just sort of like it's just a, a nice trip to the beach welcome have a nice the day delightful day out isn't <laughs> yeah. It? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> three points if you want that's... it or not <laughs> <laughs> like you could get the biggest shock of your life or you just come and take three points like it's with with like with the fans, like yeah, we've got we've got our our chance, and yeah, we're loud, but it's it's not like it's not anything special. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Coming from a Bournemouth fan, it feels like I'm slagging them off, but no. Like, <laughs> I mean, just being realistic. <laughs> from, a Q,
2: from a QPR fan and a Forest fan, respectively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, like, I've, we understand. <laughs>
0: I've I've been to both of those grounds, and yeah, they're both incredibly loud and quite quite raucous mm. I guess city ground on a good day is great what forest game yeah. what
2: forest game did you go to
0: or was it a Bournemouth uh, I Forest went to... no 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 it was uh, Forest Fulham I think they lost 1-0 yeah
2: sounds about right
0: yeah <laughs> or 2-0 I'm not sure yeah. uh, it was a couple years ago fair I yeah. try to go
2: but it's. <laughs> this it's painful. I mean, if I'm home, I try to go, but <laughs> yeah. s- summer, sometimes it's like,
0: oh, God. You ch- <laughs> can't bring yourself to do it. It's not that
2: I can't bring myself to do it. It's more that... Obviously, who wouldn't love to have a season ticket? But it's sometimes going, and if the first three weeks of Forest seasons down the shitter, you might as well just write the season <laughs> off. If they start well, yeah. you've got something to cling on to and then eventually accept that it's going to be... Th- taken away from you in terrible in a terrible fashion. How did you feel about yeah.
0: that last season? Oh,
2: fucking hell, mate. Like, <laughs> That was the eight goal swing, oh, right? my... On the last I day. Fucking God. Oh, I, remember, that was... I remember being sat on the sofa with, with Sam in the living room and we had, I can't remember what mm. we were doing but I said to him, I was like, Forrest need to draw. All I need to do is draw. Playing Stoke I think we just need to draw. 0-0-1-1 I'll do. And it went 2-1 Stoke and I was like, if we lose 4-1 this is the most spectacular failure, I think, that I've ever seen from Forest. I I'd take losing in a semi-final versus being embarrassed like that. It's almost like they didn't want to it, go to the right. playoffs. Right, and in turn, in turn, what? What? I think that game actually decided this season for us because yeah. we lost four-one we had this player come in called Nuno De Santos or something that was supposed to be he was supposed to come in and score a bunch of goals or whatever. He scored the fucking own goal that put us to 4-1. Obviously, <laughs> it was this big calamity. And then from that point, they decided, right, we're going to sign 12 players, I think of which about three have actually featured this year. The rest of them have just sort of been nowhere. And then we we lose, I think it was like six on the bounce the start of the year, and wow. we are the most out-of-form yeah. team in the country and that's just forest there's never anything good to say and even if there is anything good to say <laughs> the good things to say are oh he's re- he's played really well like matty cash matty cash goes and gets mm. a good move to you know villa and does really well it'll probably be, it'll yeah. probably be samba next or joe Worrell, and it's like the only good things that come out of forest are the players that we produce going on to do better things like lascelles yeah, yeah. Back in the day, there was this whole debacle about we're not going to sell the cells. We're not going to sell the cells. An hour later, the owners on radio Nottingham go and I've had to sell him because financial fair play, and it's like why don't you fucking say that?
1: But there's a double sale as well, wasn't it? Carl was Darla that went yeah, in the same Ka- deal. Carl so Darla, lost, like your yeah. spine. I mean, and, <laughs> the spine of your defenders is gone.
2: Still doing well in the Premier League today, and that's like a good success story of Forest producing good players. But there's no. Yeah. There's no end in sight for Forrest actually having anything to look forward to, unless they stick with Chris Hughton for the next three
0: years. He needs like a lot of time, but yeah, I, I feel like managers aren't given enough time just as a standard. Like, no, not at all. all like if, if you gave if you gave any manager like three four years, you're bound to get something. But everyone just wants results within the first like eighteen months. Which is bonkers
2: to think that a season lasts, you know, a season lasts a whole year and in it some teams are chopping and changing managers three or four times. How? What do you expect to happen? And that's sort thats Like Watford. Yeah, blows exactly. But it sort of comes back to the Bournemouth thing with Eddie Howe is when they went down, to me, when they sacked Eddie Howe and took Jason Tindall on, because Jason Tindall was his number two, right? To yeah, me, yeah. they're just sort of continuing the Eddie Howe culture there. And he's where are Bournemouth now? Are they fourth in the
0: championship? Now we're seventh or sixth. Okay. I think seventh.
2: But you're within with you're within reach of the top two, and you're firmly in the playoff
0: race. I, I'd say playoff race, yes. Top two to three, no. That's between. I think Norwich have got it. They're they're winning this season, and then I think um, seconds between Watford, uh, Brentford, and maybe Swansea. Okay. But even
2: then, they've only stuck with that for half a year
0: and then brought Jonathan Woodgate
2: yeah. in, which, with all due respect to him, I'm sure he might be a good coach. We don't really know much about his coaching career. He didn't do well at Middlesbrough and got sacked. Like, where? Yeah. Where is that? What, what, you go from talking about getting Thierry Ryan, who also I don't think has proved himself really at all. Definitely to,
1: not. to <laughs> getting
2: Jason. Definitely not. To getting Jason Woodgate in.
0: Like, Uh, like, I think there was a few, like the few, I think it was like two weeks in between Tyndall being sacked and we getting Woodgate, that some of the names that were being bounced around were insane. Like Rafa Benitez, and um, I think maybe like, although it's just the the British manager roundabout, Tony Pulis, like people with actual weight coming come in, in and then there was this big Henri thing which I mean the name would have been great like being being an Arsenal fan as a kid would have loved to see Henri on the touchline at, at Dean Court but just, just his managerial career hasn't really come to anything and then just after like two weeks of absolute faff we just settle on Woodgate and like I'm not going to be like Woodgate out or anything like that because he's got some results but it's just it's kind of just classic Bournemouth just but what does this... that say about like the direction I suppose because if you th-
1: if you, well you've just listed four names you've got Rafa Benitez, Tony Pulis, Thierry Henry, Jonathan Woodgate four <laughs> very different men with four very different styles of management it seems two yeah. are successful in their own right I suppose because Rafa Benitez was a European cup winner Tony Pulis yeah. is a successful like it's very attritional football mm. and will probably get you out of the championship not at some point. An, there's not enough while. space between the
2: touchline and the advertising board into the throw-ins though.
1: <laughs> well yeah there's no <laughs> real yeah. delap. But then to go from those two names which are like vastly different to then yeah. just lump on Thierry Henry and just who's failed at Monaco then didn't I wouldn't I don't know whether he failed at Montreal Impact but didn't have any he didn't, success. You don't think he had Henry enough nature. time or no, yeah. he just they just, they just left, yeah. didn't he? I think without really producing anything apart from that good that one good video of him shouting at his players, <laughs> yeah, yeah. where they couldn't <laughs> do the things that he could do. And then <laughs> the final one is Jonathan Woodgate, who's had what was it? It must have been about three quarters of a season in the Championship under his belt, and that's it. So that just it kind of just shows that the direction of the club, they don't really know what direction to go. They don't know what manager they want. They're just going through a roller decks of names until they get one that sticks.
0: Yeah, like which is a I, bit strange. I, but don't feel like the the want is there to to like we want to bounce back straight away like Norwich and Watford they they're, they're going to be bouncing back. I feel like if Watford don't get come second they're going to win the playoffs. And for them that there's that fight to we got relegated we're going back. But with Bournemouth although like some of the results are good it's just so inconsistent that it just Feels like, oh, we've somehow we're in this position. Uh, if we don't say a word, then we might go up. Like you're not trying <laughs> sneakily get through yeah. the door. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you've got yeah. you,
2: you've got a stacked enough squad with good players and experienced <laughs> players. You think yeah. you think? I mean, you look at it on, on paper versus the rest of the championship, and you think they've surely got to be at least a, a name for the playoff final.
0: Yeah. Well, like I'll I'll be incredibly disappointed if we don't at least get into the playoffs like i think the thing with the like, bournemouth is it's just you lose like four on the trot and then you can win three and then you feel like that hope is back and then you lose to like fucking luton or something when you've been beating norwich or watford or like the the people you're you're competing for and then you just lose to a team that's in 16th and you're just like where's the consistency Where's the actual fight to and the like the killing blow to actually confirm your place in a in like in a playoff position which, or like, which
2: is quite a, a contrasting a contrasting perspective and view considering you're probably quite happy with sixteenth in the premier League
0: yeah I, th- I think that's the the difference between the premier League and the championship like you you know you can do better in the championship like, in the premier League every every time was just sort of like oh we're playing Tottenham. <laughs> this is crazy, isn't yeah. it? But when when you're playing teams that you know you can beat, you get frustrated. Oh, it's like because in the championship you can. We, we we definitely have the potential to be at least like playoff final contenders. But right now, it just doesn't feel like we've got that fight in us. It,
2: it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing, especially c- considering <sighs> we've spoke about this a little bit. But like when teams go up and they stay up. And then they cement themselves as a Premier League team. You don't lose mm. that overnight just by getting relegated. To, to me, like Norwich yeah. go. Norwich hadn't been in the Premier League for a, for a little minute, and they go up and they play some nice football, and they keep all the good players, and they keep the manager, and they come down and they they're like, right, we're, we're going back up. We're a Premier League team. It's like you know. But then again, yeah. for every t- every team that you go like, oh, they're a proper Premier League team. You are, people always forget that that means that some team has to come down from the Premier League and like Leeds this year been a breath of fresh air in the Premier League and you know as everybody says a sleeping giant or they've done you know it's good to see them back in the Premier League again as much as Forest fans are supposed to hate Leeds I quite like Leeds
0: everyone hates Leeds I mean I
2: quite like them though (laughs) I quite like everything that they're about the football that they're playing and how just entertaining it is as you know everybody's been taking the piss out of especially fucking Gary Neville being like oh they're the breath of you know the biggest breath of fresh air which they are but like they're a Premier League team now. And if they come back, they're yeah. going to have that same fight. Whereas with, like you said, with Bournemouth, they've come down and they've got the quality, but they don't seem to have the direction. But you've not lost that factor of you are a Premier League team. And it's like, yeah. where is the long term future of it? Because obviously, you don't want to be up and down. You don't want to be yo yoing every year up, down, up, no. down, because it'll no, fuck no. the club up. Like, look at Sunderland. Look at. Yeah. you know look at Wigan like all these teams that we thought were in the Premier League so it's like it's sort of this weird line where in two years you could be in League One or you could be a solidified Premier League team
0: yeah it's just that the gamble of being a Bournemouth fan I, I guess, guess. Yeah. A, every day every day's a, a, new, a <laughs> new adventure but um yeah just um with with Leeds like um When, like, I think it's, like, 2000... Like, early 2000s, they were, like... Like, gunning for, like, Champions League spots. And then they just sort of disappeared off the face of the earth for a while. It was in the space of two seasons. They went from Champions League semi-final
1: to relegated. That's mad. They gambled too much. It was, um... Oh, God, what was the guy's name? Ken Bates, I think it was. Just gambled too much. They paid too much money for, like, for, for certain players. And... They yeah they, they sort of gambled the farm and lost and they went down within the space of back, I think within the space of two years they'd gone from Champions League semi final at the Estadio in Valencia to yeah you know away at Coventry and the Championship
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's mad like and I do think it's down to um is Bielsa isn't yeah. it yeah I feel like although there is some there are quality players at Leeds he's the reason they're back up there. So I feel if we found ourselves a manager similar to that, then we might be able to reinstate ourselves as like a as a as a proper Premier League team without it being sort of like the narrative of plucky Bournemouth, you know, <laughs> lucky, lucky. They they don't deserve to be up there because on our on our good days we really do like we play. I mean, I'm I'm obviously a fan of them, but we play some of the best football in the league. Well,
2: yeah, I think so. I definitely think so sometimes
0: <laughs> yeah. it's very rare but sometimes it's really nice to watch
2: yeah. and and it seems to be as well in the last five years that the the culture within it is you've got these very experienced old heads Steve Cook who's Simon Francis, you know with a yeah. mixture of these up and coming young lads that like David Brooks, Lewis Cook or we've already mentioned Lloyd Kelly, Dominic Solanke, Sam Surridge. Even Jordan Ibe, like, obviously going to, going to Bournemouth at the time, like, he was somebody that was supposed to come through and excel. And, like, I think he played relatively well when he came in, but obviously oh, hasn't worked. I don't know about that. Do you not that? reckon?
0: I don't know about that. Oh, um, like, I think that is the most I've ever heard my dad moan. Really? About a player. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Ibe. Every time he came on, there would just be, like, a huff of disappointment. Right. Because oh, no. he just, he just, I think the thing was, he just lost the ball and didn't fight mm. for it. Like he scored like a, a, I might be wrong, but like two, three goals in the space of four years, and being the money that we paid for him, and sort of like the hype of being the wonder Kid, yeah. you kind of expect a little bit more for sure. Is there I, every 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 team has got their one player that they're just like
1: they just huff whenever they take to the field? I was um, yeah. <laughs> we had uh, QPR signed Kieran Dyer. For our first season in the Premier League, and I remember going to yeah. the home opener. Um, we played Bolton. We lost four 0 that day. I remember. And Gary <laughs> uh, Cahill scored two, didn't he? Oh, mate, he scored an absolute screamer that day. Mm. Um, I was in the upper loft, like quite high up. Into, I mean, it's quite a small stadium, but it was quite high up and quite far back. And um, sat next to my uncle. And game's about to kick off. Kieran Dyer's in the starting lineup, and I said, "Look, do you want to have a bet on how long Dyer lasts before he goes off injured?" And <laughs> my uncle was like, um, it'll, "It'll probably last the full ninety. He's, he's not really. I think he's had a decent preseason. He'll probably last." I was like, "Within fifteen minutes, he's gone. He lasted like fifteen. Se- fifteen, yeah. He wow. lasted. He lasted seven minutes. He <laughs> went off on a stretcher after seven minutes and didn't play for <laughs> Stretcher. His yeah. His knees like were completely shot to pieces. And we just oh. paid loads of money for him, or not? I think he got we got him on a free, but his wages were through the roof." And it's yeah. just every time I saw Kieran die after that, I was just like, oh, get out!" Our <sake. laughs>
0: our player made of glass was Tyrone Mings. Oh, like, really? Na- he was now at Villa. Yeah. He's doing great, but for Bournemouth, every time he played, it's just like he just shattered into a million pieces. Yeah, he's very um, odd, isn't it? Was his knees, wasn't it? Was ACL or something? Or um, I think yeah, his knees went a couple of times. Like every time he played, he he came off limping. Oh. Or he's trying to stamp Ibrahimovic in the head. <laughs> oh yeah, he stood on things. someone's
1: face, didn't he? <laughs> yeah.
0: Fuck's sake.
2: So who 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 in the who in the Bournemouth team now excites you enough to keep? Well, I'm obviously I'm sure you keep watching it anyway, but like, mm-hmm. who is it that you really look to in the team right now?
0: I am really enjoying Dan Juma. I think he didn't really get his his chance, uh, like. Earlier on, I think I, I think we signed him last season, like um, January of last season. I don't feel like he got his dues then. I hope I'm right, otherwise I. Um, but now that in the championship, he's, he's definitely kept us in most games. Like the, the, dull. What could have been like a dull nil nil. He's he's scored, the goal to make it, to give us the three points. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I like Lloyd Kelly, but he's just a bit inconsistent. Um, oh, I've forgotten his name. What's his name? But he's he's out injured at the moment. Stacey, Jack Stacey. Uh, Jack Stacey. Yeah. Yes, he's he's great when um, when he's playing. But I think yeah, I think he's out right now. Um, who else have we got? I loved King when he was there. Josh. Oh, okay. He's, he's yeah, just signed to Everton. Um. I think we got the old guard which i mean yeah, Steve got, like, Cook's still hanging around isn't he <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and like stanislas and stuff mm-hmm. you can you can always be sure of like a a couple good stanislas goals every season to get you out of like sticky bit sticky mm-hmm. situations um but to be honest like i feel like we got rid of our like our players that would have really helped us get back there to, to the to premier league yeah like nathan ake especially like the the best to ever do it in a bournemouth shirt he was Insane yeah he play. was class wasn't
2: he <laughs> i mean you could yeah. definitely tell you could definitely tell he improved the team and if anything probably for that for the three four years that they did stay up when
1: he came in he definitely elevated that team to a different level I mean you've um, yeah, yeah. You've, you've picked him you've picked him in your 11 and before we get on to the 11 because we could probably talk about Nathan Ake a bit more what's yeah. like just to wrap up your sort of thoughts on the team where do you think uh, how do you see this season finishing for for Bournemouth then
0: um sixth and lose to Watford <laughs> that okay. that will kill, kill me inside the most I so think. who do you think's going up then um, the, first, the top two, if Watford are in the playoffs, have you got Brentford? So, there? Uh, if if Watford don't do it, then they'll definitely beat us in the uh, in the playoffs. Okay. Bit so it's either going to be it's either going to be Brentford or Watford right. going up, but we're going to lose to third place, whoever it is. <laughs> but I think okay. Watford will just kill me more. Well, okay. I th- you're positive you're, thinking. Then you're pretty much bookmarked. <laughs> the least positive. Yeah,
2: you're pretty much bookmarked that you're going to have to come back on if Bournemouth make the playoffs. So. <laughs> oh Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and we'll do a we'll do a pre-playoff.
1: Make da- yeah, make uh, Dan happy campaign. We'll do a championship playoff <laughs> preview or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, shall we transition into your eleven then? Um, yeah. How did you? Well, first question is always: How did you go about
0: picking the eleven? What was your process? What was your thought process behind it? Um, so my first thoughts was I was going to do players that were notoriously hard for me to get hold of when it came to football stickers oh, yeah. But, but then I couldn't think of 11 like that team was going to be like Bartes, Gareth Barry um, Liam's keeper of choice well, is Bartes. she would have made him really happy though great. great keeper I just remember getting him as a football sticker and I was like he looks weird <laughs> um but then i just sort of because i couldn't think of 11 i just went for like either uh players that when i was first into football like um the arsenal wonder years and like united being like the the big be all and end all team to beat like that's those sort of players that stuck with me there or uh, players from now Mm -hmm. that i really enjoy So it wasn't not too much rhyme or reason.
2: You don't need much reason, no, that's, that's, to be that's honest. Quite that's players. all we asked for. I mean, it's your 11 and it says a lot, you know, <laughs> as opposed to dem- <laughs> demonstrate your your feeling of football. I mean, I think you've started strong. So you've gone for 4-1-3-2, which the holding midfielder seems to be such a theme within this podcast because I don't think we've had one team yet that doesn't pick us out-and-out holding midfielder. Um, but we'll start with your keeper. So your keeper, do you have your team in front of you or do
0: you yes, do. yeah, yeah. Got a, got so, it yeah. you take it away, mate, and we'll just sort of, like, poke and pick as we go. Nice one. So, in in goal, I've gone for van der Sar just because uh, when it was the Manchester United wonder years, you know, when you either, you're watching a football game on telly, or you, you go to a, a football game, you've heard about, like, a couple of players that you're really worried about, like, they're, they're the ones that are going to tear my team apart, mm-hmm. It was like it was Van der Sar just being a fucking force of nature in goal, or Van der Just those two together, you're just like, ah. At both ends of the pitch as well is a worry. Yeah, like just unstoppable. (laughs) You're just going to get worried about them. And like he, although like he's like not not got the record like Czech has, but he just was just absolutely unstoppable in my eyes. He was just all over the place, making absolute worldies of saves and i just a massive fan of him even though i just love to hate him when i was sort of a glory su- glory arsenal supporter his um his i don't know if you if you follow him on on social media these days he's
1: always posting pictures of him in his office at ajax mm. in like retro shirts in front of his laptop
0: oh legend <laughs> Let's have a look yeah.
1: <laughs> he's like sat at a laptop smiling away facing the camera wearing like one of his fulham shirts in 2001 he or, just like, looks like such a nice a bloke, United shirt doesn't he and he seems he does, like yeah, a yeah. nice
2: bloke, but then obviously in goal he was formidable and great. But
1: I remember it's... he had he did have that cl- that clean sheet record for a while. I'm not yeah. sure how, but it was it was something like nine to ten hours of football that he just didn't concede for. It,
2: it, va- van der
1: Sar when he was at
2: Fulham, it was kind of like just like what are you doing here? Like how have you really, ended? So, yeah. How have you ended up from Juventus here? to Fulham? Yeah, how yeah. how has this happened? <laughs> and then then he goes to United, <laughs> and it's like well, this is where you should be and where you deserve mm. to be, and like obviously. I'd say probably he's one of the greats of our time really van der Sar. oh without, yeah, without a yeah, doubt for sure. and I think his name carries a certain amount of weight anyway you know yeah
0: um, just fear yeah. absolute fear unless you're United <laughs> <laughs> and then left back I've uh, gone for Ashley Cole um, are we, are we talking the Arsenal was...
2: Ashley Cole are we talking the Chelsea Ashley Cole
0: I mean both are great but my main memories are Arsenal Ashley Cole but I know that he was like absolutely top quality at Chelsea but I wasn't really paying attention to him that much then if you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so it was just because as I remember it was just although being a defender he was my first introduction to a defender that also helped with the attack Yeah. so just like the, the, the pace on him to be able to like whip in crosses or just help the attack with like Perez and Birdcamp, Henri. He was like, he wouldn't look out of place on the score sheet. No, anymore. I feel
2: like Ashley Cole, even though it's a bit of a far comparison, but I think we can maybe, maybe sort of get away with it. I feel like Ashley Cole was the first English export of any likeness to Roberto Carlos.
1: In. See, he, you're the. Fir- I think you're the first person to bring up Ashley Cole on this podcast. Yeah, you are, and actually. it's going to be the fir- the first time that I'm going to actually be able to say that I I think that Ashley Cole was the best left back in world football. Yeah, by nice. quite uh, by quite some distance, because he well for the exact reason that you've just said, he was able to defend, but he or he was part of the attack as well. He was just lethal down the left hand side. His trophy cabinet is bursting with, with all sorts of silver waves. Pretty much won everything except what you can win in an England shirt. Um, yeah. We'll put that to the side for now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for, for, for me, for a long long time, Ashley Carl was always someone I just in, enjoyed watching but hated whenever you kind of came up against him because the left-hand side was just always a danger. He had that bit He's of, fantastic at everything.
2: Yeah, he had that Robin yeah. factor about him that we, you know, we mentioned this the other week. It's these players that do these things time and time again, and you know what they're going to do, but stopping them is impossible. I feel like Ashley Cole, mm. you give him an overlap or you give him space to cross or you let him get in the box, you know what's going to happen, and it happened and you could never stop him.
1: I could defend well as well, which is something yeah. that a lot of attacking left-backs can't do. I think Ashley Cole was an excellent yeah. defender and like a real attacking threat, which is just kind of the complete package that you want from a fullback. And yeah. when you look at the competition, I get because the what the the player that comes up the most on this podcast is Roberto Carlos, and everyone just yeah kind of, you just yeah, kind yeah. of mention his free free kicks and his attacking ability. Whereas Ashley Cole was kind of the full package. He was everything you could possibly want on that left hand side. Just if you're picking someone like. You know, it's just 100 out of 100. It's actually everything is the perfect package for a left back. I
2: think we could, yeah, I I I think we could maybe say like maybe the Barcelona test a little bit in there in his heyday in a Barcelona team that we knew was obviously like the best in the world. Do you think Ashley Cole would get in that team?
1: Yeah, because their left back was Eric Abedal, who I think is good, but not as good. And then it's Jordi Alba, who I think is good, but not as good. Yeah, so.
0: I mean... It... That is some great football knowledge there we go. right yeah. there. I couldn't I could tell you who was playing
1: <laughs> left back for Barca. I think I'm right. If I'm not, i will get tweeted, but I'm pretty sure Eric Abedal was there. Was their left back. So,
2: Well, imagine we didn't care about football. This podcast would be pretty, pretty <laughs> pointless. <laughs> like, Just be you talking about to drums him. with all the guests. <laughs>
0: been listening to a few episodes and like your some of your like pulls, your knowledge pools are insane i don't think it's i don't like, think
2: it's by choice i think it's by being sad it's like being
0: sad <laughs> it's how the just podcast memorizing. came about matt
1: was like I, I talk about football a lot anyway we might as well just record it i was like okay let's do it yeah <laughs> i've just got all these pointless stats in my head where do i put them <laughs> you might as well just spit them out and just see what happens so <laughs> yeah um do you want to go, okay, so now we'll, we'll just move across the back four then. Do you want to do the right back now? And then we'll get on to uh, the back partnership.
0: Yeah, right back, I've gone for Alexander-Arnold, just because like uh, like I said earlier, he's one of these wonder kids that I want, like, he's like early 20s now? 22 so I, I think he could, is. Yeah, I don't think you could maybe consider him a kid, but like, you just want him to do great things. Like, I'm not a big Liverpool fan. I enjoyed them winning the league last season because it was a a break from pure city dominance. So it was just, it was just nice to watch someone so young and like playing for his his team in his own backyard doing so well. And I just really just want him to progress and just keep doing great things. I picked him. It's a bit weird how he wasn't picked for England. He wasn't picked for England.
2: Yeah. Me and Liam talked about this in the week. Um, there's Rory Smith uh, writes and ju- he's a journalist for New York times and he's, he's very pragmatic. I think he might be my favorite journalist, but he was saying on this podcast that I listened to that he suggest it would suggest that three months out from the Euros, Trent Alexander being actively dropped suggests that he's not yeah. going. And that to me is absolutely unthinkable. He, he to mm. me, I wanted to pick him one because me and we did a dry run of this podcast before we started it, and I wanted to pick him yeah. at right back, and the only reason I didn't was because of Philip Lam, um, but Trent I feel like he's got the best right, I think he's got the best right foot since since Beckham. Yeah. I, I think I he's he's awesome. I think he's so good, but I just it's one of those things that, like you mentioned, the England like I I just I don't understand why he wasn't picked at all.
0: It's um like you know those sort of footballing moments that just stick with you like the Aguero goal mm. like the the yeah. short the short corner <laughs> as well. Unreal. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. It's just that sort of just that 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 vision as a kid just to be like I just do And it t- now. to the, think, the intelligence to you know, think of that yeah, just to go exa- okay. Yeah. Absolutely. To think
2: about it and execute it perfectly to the point mm. where he put that ball where Origi couldn't miss it from quite a weird angle.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and that is just like one of those great footballing moments. Yeah. They're just sort of like even though I'm, I'm not a fan of either of them, that just lives with you. And I think I mean, I'm sorry it's sorry to bring up the uh, Aguero goal so as well. So good. No, no okay. we're inextricably linked <laughs> with the you know, the unquestionably
1: greatest moment in Premier League history, and unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I remember that day. I was in a pub and um trying to get that was it was just before you could kind of get um like on my phone I couldn't get you know you kind of refresh a live score app and you can get constantly just constantly refresh it looking for scores I I couldn't get that at the time it was like just before that so I'm waiting for the Bolton Stoke score to come through on my phone to see if we're still safe we've just gone three two down I'm like fuck are we safe or not and I'm like shouting around (laughs) the pub like can someone tell me the fucking Bolton score and uh, (laughs) there's there's too many people like what like just staring at the screen looking at the, the city have just won the title and I'm worried about whether fucking Ricardo Fuller scored for Stoke or whatever so yeah, difficult day, but it all worked out well in the end, I suppose. <laughs> That's fine. You're you're a QPR fan. Yeah. Your your concern is with your team. Yeah, I know. And then and then to see the footage afterwards of like our players, like Jibril Sisse celebrating with Sammy Nasri, <laughs> 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 like trying to get his hands on the title. It's like a oh, fucking hell. Just <laughs> <laughs> have some fucking grace and decor, Get off the pitch. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. So we'll uh, we'll move on to your centre back pairing. Which, <laughs> yeah,
1: centre back partnership. Centre back
0: <laughs> partnership, which you've gone for an old Dutch back too. Best best defence in the uh, on the planet, the Dutch, um, Van Dijk and Nathan Ake. I'll start with Van Dijk just because, like, again with the um, keeping an eye on Liverpool for the last couple of seasons, just the way that he's changed the defence. It's just as like as a like a leading captain as well. Massive, to to go from to go
2: from Celtic where people were like a bit unsure he looks good, to go to Southampton and everybody be calling him, you know he's all right he's all right to go to Liverpool and be
0: probably, yeah maybe the best centre back in the world that year. Yeah yeah yeah. I I, like I was listening to um your your episode with um I can't remember his name the 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 guy from Lonely the Brave oh uh, Gavin Mo yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um you were saying that although he's out for the season, I don't feel like it's really um f- had the biggest effect on like on Liverpool's season. You know how you were saying that it that this isn't the only reason why mm. they're having a bad yeah. season. Which I completely agree with, it's like down to their lack of support for that role. But when he was on the top of his game last season, it was just, it was just impossible to get past it.
1: Yeah. So it's not the only reason, but it's a big reason. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. probably ninety percent of the problem, right? Because <laughs> when I think where well, Matts just said that when he came in to Liverpool, essentially just changed, like the, the Liverpool's defense was kind of the problem, wasn't it? Because I think it was Lovren and maybe Skirtle at that time. Yeah, it was but Lovren really Skirtle. Yeah. and Skrtel. Matt, it was in and yeah. out. Matip okay and then you bring in Van Dijk and it like overnight they change from a team that concede quite a lot to they just you know there's just a defence that you just don't get past and then obviously you bring yeah. in Alisson after that and it becomes even harder to score against them so when you it's remove
0: those, that those from... two seasons like um the one where they won and the one where it was between them and City like points in it yeah, it was just insane like the the tiny mistakes that like eventually less th- um led to them losing the title but that like that that much in it like it's insane that to me how how much he changed from a a team that could be considered somewhat ropey to like giving probably the best football team on the planet a run for them if lineup. anything
2: i think they were better that year than they were than they were the year they won the title weird i know yeah, yeah. That a was, great. A great season. was a great season. I mean, they obviously won the Champions League, so you know that yeah. in itself I mean, wasn't too bad. Good. Not too, yeah, not too yeah. bad. Um but then so Nathan Ake, obviously like big connection to him because of Bournemouth and
0: and how well he's done, but
2: good on the ball, very physical, yeah. very fast.
0: Just I think he's my favourite Bournemouth player ever. Love him. And it's um like a few I think it's like FIFA fourteen, where he's just one of those those players that just pops up everywhere and i signed him for bournemouth <laughs> when he was like i think like still in chelsea or watford and i was like oh this 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 guy's great like oh i wonder what he's doing and then a few seasons after just like oh shit it's him <laughs> and he being even better in real life than he was in my fifa in my fifa team and um i i'm kind of gutted that he's been out injured this season because i would have loved to have seen him give like a great go at Manchester. Yeah, really. if mm. if
2: anything, it's been a little blessing in disguise for the people that they've bought in. I mean, John Stones getting back into the England fold and playing well has been, I think, needed for everybody. Mm. Um, but mm. obviously, Ruben Diaz coming in and looking like an absolute bloody brick wall. But in terms of him being at a good, a good, cl- <laughs> a, at a good club with good prospects, he's he's made a good move for sure. And I think that says a lot of the quality that they see of him and, and what he did add to Bournemouth. You can't really get relegated with Bournemouth and then you know city buy you for that amount of money and like it it be for a hollow reason they've obviously bought him because he's a very accomplished player and very skilled um yeah
0: he was definitely the heart of our defense for the all the seasons that he was starting for sure
2: and i think yeah i think it says a lot about bournemouth that they managed to get him as well and managed to bring him in and keep him for a number of years too
0: so yeah yeah because he was he was being bounced about like chelsea watford yeah Maybe another team, I can't remember. But I'm so glad that we got him for a, a period of time, not just online. So,
2: moving on to another Bournemouth who maybe could be a legend in your eyes. Jefferson Lerner, certainly
0: defensive mid. The, the Colombian Roy The King. Colombian Roy
2: Keane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's just an absolute shithouse, and I love him. Just because, like, it's all tackles and winding people up and getting in people's heads. I love it. That's just he's just one of my favourite players right now, just because, like the the Watford game the other the other week, where like this massive brawl started in like the ninety fifth ninety six minute, is mainly down to him just being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I've made him my captain for that reason, just to get in people's minds. <laughs>
1: well, there we go. His um his right. reputation kind of preceded him because I didn't I didn't know who Jefferson Lambert was before he moved to Bournemouth, but when he did. The, one of the main things I heard about him was that he got he got a lot. I think he played for Levante or somewhere in in La Liga. Yeah, you're right. He just mm. got a lot of yellow cards. That was his thing. It was yep. nailed on most games. Lerma will be in the book. <laughs> it's that it's, kind of it's how it is the it's same now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know that if he's playing, he's getting a yellow card, and if he's not, he's done something wrong. I think it is was. Just... Is he a good tackler then, or is he just missed time a lot, or What? What? What, what gets him in trouble? So, he's a, he's a good tackler. I think, like, if he loses the ball, he sometimes, like, he'll chase it back, but he'll act out of aggression, not, okay, like, not trying to just win the ball back. He's like, ah, oh, I, I lost the ball. Let's take out their legs so they don't <laughs> score.
2: I really like that he's not one of these players that, he's come to the Premier League. I, I think, uh, maybe, this is probably wrong, maybe Bournemouth were well onto him before that game, but didn't i'm pretty sure he had quite a good game in that england columbia game and i think yeah i think yeah, I that's think. probably where they may be cottoned onto him but i like that he's yeah. not one of these players that's come from la liga been in the premier league and then as soon as they've got relegated gone right i'm off back to fucking getafe or levante or wherever i can play in the top league and get paid <laughs> well and just have a nice time yeah. like he's stayed and he's playing and he's he's for it i love it so yeah I
0: think if we don't come up this season, then he's gone. But I mean, he's he stayed for a, a season in the championship. That's all I can really. I think ask I think that in. takes he, a lot. He he deserves he deserves better. Well, he's just he, I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so
2: you've gone for four, one, three, two. So we've done you four. We've done your holder midfielder, and now you've got a three of a left yes. wing, a centre mid, and a right wing so where yes. do you want to start
0: uh i'll go with perez on my left wing he was my favorite player as a kid like everyone was Henri, and well just Henri. he was like the star of the show but and, and lundberg with his hair but perez was just just my guy i don't know why he just the way that he played just just got me well excited. Such a weird mannerism like, he, of he, the
2: way he played, I think, but so good.
0: Yeah. And he just looked like an absolute Disney villain as well. <laughs> really
1: smooth looking
0: footballer, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um it's just like the the assists like and and the goals like every every game for that invincible season was just something mad. Something mad with one of the players doing something incredible and just I think when i had the arsenal shirt with the like the big o2 on it the big big o2 yeah yeah he was he was on the back i had the same just yeah and yeah mainly because my my dad was a my
2: dad's my dad's like father-in-law was a mad arsenal fan so he used to buy me the shirts and make me watch the games and i was the same i loved henry but there was something about perez that made me just yeah my mouth water (laughs)
1: <laughs> linked, linked as a as a pair as well because obviously they combined a lot for scoring. But there's, we I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention another great Premier League moment where the penalty that didn't go quite right, where Henry tries to pass it, oh yeah, to Pires, oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> they completely fluff it and it ends up getting cleared by Man City. And I don't know if you've, um, I think this was, this was only last week or something. Someone posted on Twitter that if you go onto the Arsenal website and you type in a page that doesn't exist basically and you go to their sort of 404 page like the fuck up page and it says sorry this page that we we can't find what you're looking for this page doesn't exist it's just a screenshot of that penalty going wrong and and it's like sorry something's gone wrong here (laughs) we can't find what you're looking for and they've just used a screenshot of that penalty and i think that's just (laughs) from a from a website team that's perfect that's great you gotta have a sense of humor with that (laughs) that is a big fuck up
0: Just, you can imagine the the look on the rest of the team. They'll have tried that what time and time again that? as well, and they're just <laughs> yeah. It goes all right on the training field, but in a big game, don't bother. <laughs> and your um, who's on your right? Who's on the right then? Um, De Bruyne. Oh. Just because he's, I think he's the best um midfielder in the league right now.
1: Where have you heard that before, Liam? I- <laughs> Anytime someone brings up the Bruyne, it's just followed by a, oh. <laughs> from you, <laughs> isn't he just the best?
0: He's just—he's an absolute wizard, isn't he? Just the best. Like I—I I do like the um, the comparisons with him and Fernandez. It's Fernandez, isn't it? What Bruno um, Fernandez? Yeah, Bruno Fernandez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just feel like De Bruyne is still, still over, over him. I, for I agree. Sure. Like mm. the passes, he can just pick out any pass anywhere in the pitch and it's going to someone it's his p- it's like
2: his power this. and his finesse and it's just he's just mm. lack of bullshit i'm doing it it doesn't matter if the pass is yeah. 60 yards 20 yards or he's got to fizz it in short and fast and, and and hard he's like he's there and he does it and it, there's no half measures with him i think he's brilliant i think he's the best footballer in the world yeah. it's
1: like the opposition doesn't exist at times with the balls that he plays there's um I went through, I watched a lot of Belgian games for the 2018 World Cup a few weeks back for another podcast. And the thing you pick mm. up with Kevin De Bruyne is just that any kind of pass, like he'll play as if the defence aren't there. Like they don't matter at all in terms of what he's trying to do. He just puts the ball where it needs to go, whether it's on the head of Dries mm. Mertens or to the feet of Lukaku what like the yeah. the ball goes wherever he wants it to go no one else matters <laughs> it's just whether it's like the outside of the foot the inside of the foot he just play. no matter what foot he's playing it with it goes wherever kevin de bruyne wants the ball to go <laughs>
0: yeah he's a fucking I'm magician so glad he's in the premier league same because he could have gone anywhere same I like that you've said that because
2: I I feel that same kind of thing when a player comes to the Premier League. I'm like, I'm so glad he's in the Premier League because I feel like if, yeah. you know, not to like disrespect Spanish competition or French competition or Italian competition or even German, I feel like if he was to be anywhere and show his absolute full class and potential, the only place for him would be in Germany, somewhere like Bayern Munich. He would, he would yeah. absolutely enhance that team even more than it already is powerful but so exactly so glad he's in the premier league i think we've you know in 10 years we'll be looking back being like he's a premier league legend he's one of the greats and i think in 10 years again yep. when we when people come back to do and what's the greatest premier league team of all time despite the fact we've mm. had skulls gerard lampard veron fucking Vieira, roy keen i think for me even even with all of those names i think de bruyne has to get in there
0: for sure. It's like you ever watch those like 20 minute compilations of one player on yeah, YouTube of all the yeah. time. Like, Set Evanescence ten... bring me to life" <laughs> again and again. And always awesome. <laughs> also, <laughs> also just some like some weird some weird trance, like Romanian dubstep yeah. or something. <laughs> and just like you'll be watching compilations of his passes just when when you're in your 40s mm. just like, "I was there. I saw all yeah. of that." <laughs> This is how football should be played, son. <laughs> yeah. showing them to your kids. <laughs> and then for um, centre mid, I've gone for uh, so good they named him twice. <laughs> JJ Okocha. Yes. <laughs> if you it's didn't say that, I was going to say, gonna say that. Yeah. What a baller. <laughs> he he was one of the ones that was in my football sticker team mm. because I just remember he was a uh, he was a shiny and I got him and I was just like, who is this guy? And then he's like, you know that. Thing where you like you notice something and it slowly st- starts coming into your consciousness a little bit more, like you just see him mentioned everywhere. And the fact that he played for Bolton, mm. yeah, it's just baffling to me. There's a few good like, places they played were, for Bolton, they were like European contenders at the time, but I mean, he could have gone anywhere. Jemba Jemba play for Bolton as well, or was that just my thinking? That That rings a bell,
1: he was at United for a bit. Weird, like, Allardyce's Bolton was a really strange concoction of, like, former world-class players on the way down, apart from Okocha. But you had, like, Yuri (laughs) Jorka, Even Campo. (laughs) Even Campo. Yeah, there was um, the big Mexican striker. Um, I can't remember his name. Um, Played in the World Cup in 2002, I think, with Mexico. And then... Oh, Jared Borghetti. There you go. He had, like, loads of goals for Mexico. And then after, like, after his peak... He just goes and plays for Sam Allardyce for a little bit. <laughs> like <laughs> he managed to pick up some great players for that side. I had um I had a friend when I was a kid who wasn't a huge football fan in terms of like he he loved Bolton but didn't really like anything else about football. Like he just cared about Bolton. That's all it was. And I think mean, it's because his dad loved Bolton. And yeah. around his bed was just nothing but JJ Akocha posters that he'd like ripped out of like <laughs> Match and Shoot magazine. And oh yeah. When, like, I, it was must have been about fifty to sixty different pictures of Akotcha around his bed. Like, <laughs> it's just an insane amount of Akotcha's face near where he's slept. A weird shrine to him. Yeah, but I mean, as an eleven-year-old, that's fine, I think. But if you, if I was to say, if I was yeah, to tell yeah, you he was yeah.
0: twenty-four, that'd be a bit weird. But no, <laughs> he was like eleven. I've got, I've got a JJ Akotcha shrine in my bedroom right now. <laughs> it's a bit weird. Yeah, <laughs> he was so entertaining.
2: He was yeah. excellent. A yeah. truly
0: underrated footballer. I was watching a compilation of him today and just some of the some of the touches and like just even though it felt like step-overs and that was sort of made cool by um Ronaldo coming to United. Mm-hmm. He, he was he was doing some crazy stuff with the ball.
1: The OG, the OG step-overs. Yeah.
0: yeah. He used to do a lot of we'd like never forget. he'd
1: like juggle it as well when they're like over players and he um had the kind of socks rolled down a little bit and the long sleeves but kind of rolled up midway up his arms and he just kind of looked so yeah. casual whilst he did things it just looked so effortless there's a joy in his face when he played football I used to love watching JJ Okocha on um like do you remember when ITV used to have the premiership when it wasn't match of the day mm. that's what I think of when I think of a Kotcher, I think of fucking U2 Beautiful Day as the soundtrack and then oh yeah like yeah, yeah. And, it would, and the 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 kind of title sequence to that where you'd see like JJ Kocha and then like Kevin Phillips and stuff. That's the kind of era of Kevin Davies. <laughs> <of a Kocha. laughs> yeah. <laughs> I
2: love
0: that. Mark yeah. Do you
2: remember that Kevin Davies made his, he got one cap for England and he was like yeah, I was 38 or something. I think, and he yeah. kept, didn't he come on score? And that was it. He like completed his dreams in one night and it was like, I love that that they did that. I mean, all for sentiment, (laughs) not for any methodical reason whatsoever. Yeah, he's 38, give him his one and only cap. (laughs) Give him a go. (laughs) Well, so moving on to your top two.
1: Um, This is a strike partnership. This is a
2: very, very interesting (laughs) strike partnership.
1: I'm sure you had to research one of them. Yeah, so we'll start with the easy one and then you can talk to us about the other one. So let's start with Dennis Bergkamp, shall we? Yeah, the Iceman. Yes. Um, the non-flying dutchman
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was always weird to me like how he he just never played an away game like in the champions league (laughs) just refused yeah yeah yeah. i think he got the
1: coach to one once and he had to set off like
0: four days in advance (laughs) (laughs) like a player of that quality and you're just like okay you're not you're not going to some of the most important games that we that we could have as a club you um you, <laughs> you just, just don't fancy you've away oh no. but you'll
2: do that against <laughs> newcastle no problem do you know what i mean like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fine yeah. Yeah. i'll come
1: to coventry but yeah. i'm not going all the way down to madrid i'm afraid sorry
0: yeah trip to wigan or the san siro i'll pick wigan <laughs> madness but um yeah just sort of like as as a kid it was always Henri. like as i said like he's the star but just from watching compilations and all that just sort of come into notice how much of a absolute worldie that Bergkamp was. And just some of the like obviously there's the Newcastle goal and some of some of the other goals he scored, but like his assisting power, like mm. dropping back into a sort of like a number ten role to help Henri. It's great. He was he was quite
1: a, he had a, quite a strange he always took up quite strange positions on the pitch because he was he was a striker, but his goal tally didn't suggest that they that, that he was because he did used to like drift and float and he'd play these really nice balls into Thierry Henry I think there's a there's an Ian Wright story where I think so I think Wright is, is at Arsenal and Bernkamp Bernkamp turns up after signing yeah. from somewhere and Ian Wright's receiving balls from him in training and he's like running in front of them a little bit and I think yeah. it's the the thing, the thing that Ian Wright said was that just that he's making runs too early, whereas like Burkamp's playing the pass as it should be played. And he knows that, okay, like I'm making the wrong runs. And it was that sort of the the switch that flicked in his head that like, he's not the one making the mistake. Um, Burkamp's not the one making the mistake. It's actually like Ian Wright that's making the mistake. He's like, okay, I need to adjust my positions because he, this guy knows how to play the ball exactly where it should be played. I need to make sure that I'm mm-hmm. in the right position to receive it. And that's something a lot of people, like a lot of players, when you hear them talk about Bergkamp is that he was like the cream of the crop. Like he was one of the best players I yeah. ever played with.
2: Due to due to the, the nature of modern football and that two-strike is not really being too much of a fixture in modern formations or modern philosophies, I guess. Where do you think mm-hmm. burkham yeah. ends up today, if he's in a team today? Do you think they just stick him out on the left wing and be like, well, you're, you're good enough. You're better than the person that is behind you, but you're not good enough. You, like, it's weird to say about Dennis Burkham, you're not good enough to be the sole striker, because imagine he's in the same team as Thierry Henry. What do you do there? Does Henry yeah. play on the left, or does burkham play up front, or does Henry play up front, does Burkham f- play on the left?
0: I feel like he'd play like a... Uh... A son to um, Kane that's a
2: really good comparison that's a very good comparison
1: yeah I couldn't think of one, the only one I could come up with was maybe like a João Felix at Atleti but the son comparison is probably bang on so
2: your your second striker
1: yeah last but not least you're going to have to explain this one to us
0: (laughs) so we've got a team of like probably some of the best players that have ever graced the football pitch and then we've got the cream of the crop, James Hater. Um, <laughs> now I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast, besides my dad, has never heard of James Hater. Um, he, I think, he holds the current record for the fastest hat trick in the football league. Oh, okay, wow. Uh, and um, my main reason for picking him is because when I was a mascot for Bournemouth, um, I went out with him. And I was twelve, and I was already bigger than him. <laughs> and when when like the teams were coming out, like people were saying like, "Which one's the which one's the player?" Like it was made it made James Hayter look like a mascot with just how fucking big of a twelve year old I was. Um, yeah, it was just in the lower league days of Bournemouth. He was like he was our star striker. Like obviously you were not getting wonder goals or anything but he's our fourth top scorer i think so he was he was banging them in he spent a lot of time at bournemouth right was it like it was like 10 years or something like that i think so yeah yeah yeah
2: on 20 there we go on the 24th of february 2004 he came on as an 84th minute substitute while bournemouth were 3-0 up at home to rexham and scored at the fastest football league hat-trick ever in two minutes and 21 seconds
1: Jesus Christ! Beating the record set yeah.
2: by Jimmy Scarth of Gillingham in 1952. <laughs> his parents were at the match but missed his hat trick as they had to leave early to get the last ferry back to the Isle of Wight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh
1: mate, you'd be absolutely gutted if that
0: was you. Oh. Like, I think that was the first time that Bournemouth was really brought into the public eye because it was like it was news, like proper news, mm. not just like it was substantial. The Daily Echo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's um, but that that about his parents? Oh, gutted. <laughs> God for him, anyway. Imagine that! Like the 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 peak of yeah. your football career, the
2: most important <laughs> day ever.
0: Yeah, I can't really say that he's um any other reason than just sort of he's a he's a he's a Bournemouth legend in his own right. That's
2: your reason. That is your yeah, right. Good, enough for, as... totally good yeah. enough for us.
0: Totally
1: good
2: enough for us. It's it's an interesting eleven. It's it's one of the more interesting ones. You've picked. You've picked Ashley Cole, Van der Sar, Nathan Ake. I think you might be the first. Oh, I don't know if you're the first person to pick Van Dyke. I don't think you are, but you're definitely the first person to pick Van der Sar, Ashley Cole, Nathan Ake. You might be the first person to pick Trent. Definitely the first person to pick Lerma. Definitely the first person to pick Perez Ococha.
1: And Bergkamp and Hayter. And Bergkamp
0: and Hayter. <laughs> you've got. A, you've got a quite original a lot of team firsts, there, yeah know. Yeah. If. If someone else ever picks Hater, let me know. You rolled it. Okay. There'll be a a quack. Yeah, we'll get you on the blower. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Your substitutes
1: from the world of music, who have you gone for here? So I've
0: gone for Phineas, which is Billie Eilish's brother.
1: Have you seen Uh, her documentary?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's where I got the idea Mate. from. Just like the man is so creative. Yeah. like he's making fucking rhythms out of traffic lights. It's insane. Imagine what he could do. With <laughs> I've the been football. to that traffic light. You know? <laughs> Have you? In oh, Australia,
2: really? yeah. It's in a. It's in Melbourne. I remember I, when I was there last year. I remember literally, I had like a bunch of time before the loading it. I can't remember what venue it was. But Adam, uh, Adam, who plays guitar for Youngblood, was like, you know that, you know that traffic light thing in billy eilish's song yeah it's literally up there do you want to go and see it so we literally went and stood and looked at it and we're like well it's a traffic light and that <laughs> that's that was one. that <laughs> and it went tick 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 and we were like well that's in the song there we go
1: <laughs> that um that documentary was although i thought it was well like sort of going into it you look at the time it's like two hours 30 or something i was like fucking hell that's long but it didn't feel it didn't like, feel it, like it, at it at all. It was such a it's, fact like, it's called, what's it called? The world is blurry or the world's a little blurry. Um, yeah, something like on, that, yeah. I think it's on, it's on Apple, right? And yeah, fantastic yeah, to start like the yeah, finish. Yeah. Like, I really, like, I love both of them now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, like, you know, when you, you watch something inspiring or like really cool and you just go on like a complete binge of whatever that person has done. Mm-hmm. Like, I went on a Billie Eilish binge that night and I was just sort of like, it's insane how they're, they're like, 18 year old and a like a 22 year old or something have literally conquered the world of music yeah just from their own from their parents house and it's like for pop music it's, it's really really interesting as well i just thought he might be that nice simple yet creative person that you'd need in the football team could definitely work
2: yeah yeah it could definitely work very very creative and your second sub
0: Robbie Williams, wow! <laughs> just because I was, like, I was thinking like musicians, football, sing when you're winning. Yeah, Robbie Williams, there you go, perfect. He um just for, just from the album cover alone, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. A team of Robbie Williams. He um he designed Port Vale's latest kit, I think, didn't he? So you could also get him to design the strip for your uh for your eleven here. Yeah. It was either this season or last season he designed one of their kits. Yeah.
0: Oh wow! So, yeah, so he can be the he can be the the kit maker as well. Yeah, creative in more ways than one. There, eh? love that. I think if we're gonna have a kit, have you seen Bristol City's kit this season? The goalies. Oh yes, the really '90s colorful one. Yeah, yeah. it's it's all gonna be that. <laughs> all of, every kit is that. It's like an explosion I love of fireworks, football isn't it? kits. So much, Mint. yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it was just just purely just because the thing when you're winning. Perfect. Just for a te- team of Robbie Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, third and final one. Um, so this one's going to be a little bit of a, uh, a name drop. Um, so Ben Gordon from Parkway Drive. Um, a couple of years ago, we played football against Parkway Drive and they just shut on us. Really? Like, they were really good I've at done football. It. Well, I've yeah, done it. I think it, it was... Um, I've, done, I've done it.
2: You played against yeah, them Yeah, yeah, we well. on air. Yeah, yeah, Jerry. But did you do yeah, it on yeah. that pitch near the pavilion? Yeah, yeah yeah what what year did you, you oh, it was them? like it was like 2015 maybe
0: All right. do you know what right, yeah, it was the it.
2: same year that we played that show with you in Berlin do you remember that show that's t- uh, Climates the matina- yeah Climates the matinee show in Berlin
0: it, we played at like 3pm 20- oh shit was it then yeah it might have been then then yeah because that's the first time we met each other wasn't yeah it? right yeah yeah, yeah, that was a weird day. Very, very <laughs> weird day. <laughs> I like, yeah, no, yeah, we 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 played. Oh shit! Yeah, we played. The- we played Ger- that day as well because I remember um, this was our first ever big festival, and I was nineteen at the time. Like fucking deer in the headlights. These are actual rock stars. Oh my god. Same. And I'd had a bit too much to drink, and I crawled on stage when Parkway were playing. And I, I, there's a picture of knocking about somewhere, but I am sat behind all of their cabs, like a, like an arm's length away from Ben when he's playing. And it's like I was taking pictures and it, he, he just looks so uncomfortable, the fact that I was there. <laughs> and then um, I've also got a story about that night with a day to remember, which is a, a little bit. I think this is my, my crowning achievement at, at that festival. Okay um it was um so you know how some bands like when they're playing at the side of the stage they just want everyone who isn't their people to leave yeah mm-hmm. so it was just before that moment where they're like their hired goons sort of like push everyone out of the way and i caught the eye of some people in the crowd and i was stood, stood side stage and i just caught some people and i just started like doing like a slow clap <laughs> and i got the entire tent involved with it, like, to, and hyping the crowd up as if, like, I'm um, a Day to Remembers hype man. Like, they're coming on any moment. Flavour, <laughs> flavour, and, Yeah, And I was just, like, doing that. Oh. And I got the whole crowd doing it. And it was, like, the best, the best moment. The pro- Like, I like to say that I headlined Jera that year. Because, you know. You did, mate. <laughs> I've got
2: a question about parkway and football then. Did a bunch of them play Never. barefoot? Yes.
0: Mate. It's not Madness. funny, is it? They they're great at nearly every sport. They're all gorgeous. They're they're ripped. They can play in barefoot like it's mad. Riffs for like, days. Yeah, I just felt like we it was us and bleed from within um playing against them and they just tore us apart. Mm. We need to like build up a proper proper 11 of of people and take them on at Jero one year we've got to reclaim our honor
1: mate we'll make it happen don't you fucking worry <laughs> we'll get some uh heavy metal football shirts made up for it oh yeah <laughs> um and then finally we've got a walkout music
0: and a goal song so what are your picks for these um so goal celebration song it's uh, by a band called canterbury it's called, called set you right do you know that song at okay all? i know the um, band i don't know if i know the song all right it's um <clears throat> It's got like a synth line in it that just sounds like peak FIFA. Mm. Like it wouldn't be out of place on a FIFA soundtrack. And when I first heard it, I thought like this has got to be like some some match of the day Sky Sports highlight music. And it they were like a really small band. So I just thought it's time to give them the juice that I felt they should have had all those years ago and make them <laughs> the, the goal celebration song with that synth line. Because it's, uh, oh, it's pure football. And then the walkout song is Poltergeist by Deftones, just because it would be great oh, to great to see like a, a crowd of like twenty thousand people trying to clap a, like a clave, <laughs> yeah, <which laughs> make everyone go out of time. Yeah, yeah, I'd Fucking love to see yeah. twenty thousand pissed up football fans trying to do that. <laughs> Pretty much, and then I when the riff comes in. That. Goes absolutely incredibly yeah. hard. So. I, yeah, I'm
2: that especially the clap. If you can get kids age five and old blokes trying to clap in fucking whatever time signature that feels in, yeah, whole ground fifty thousand people doing it, mate.
0: I'd I'd pay just for that. Same, <laughs> it's worth the ticket price alone. Same, because I've seen <laughs> Deftones when they were like touring no Yokin and like even though Reading and Leeds, like people are into music so. they'll they'll at least know the clap, and that was horribly out of time, so I'd love to see football fans do it.
2: (laughs) It's so bad. Mate, the amount of times I've had to stop a click for, like, live, because people can't clap on four. Like, literally, at moments when it's like, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and people are like... It's like, <laughs> come on! It's one after the other, fucking
0: all over the place with no rhythm. Yeah, it's one, two, the, three, four. The one that's always stuck with me is um, I saw a tweet from Dan Searle. Um He was actively asking people not to clap along in this bit, in like with "Gone with the Wind" because it just froze him off. off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just don't, just don't do it. Stay yeah. quiet. I'm busy. Yeah, don't <laughs> doing <laughs> it, you're fucking ruining I, yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> dad's got a job to do <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh wow right, excellent i think um we're going to ask you to put together a playlist for us so yeah for do, sure you yeah. can enjoy doing that um i will do and then yeah that kind of brings us to an end mate dan this was so much fun i really enjoyed this one
0: loved it it's great so thank you so great much fun. for joining us that's all right thanks for having me
2: oh good mate and we've we've got it in writing or i suppose the audio audio version of writing that if bournemouth make the playoffs that you'll be back
0: yeah like disappointment or pure elation i'm there
2: either way and if you <laughs> uh if you want to plug anything now's your chance plug it
0: all right so i'm in a band called palm reader um We released an album called Sleepless in November of last year. Now, we haven't toured it at all because of the obvious, but we are playing the two biggest headline shows that we've done ever uh, in November and December of this year. We're playing The Garage on... Fuck, where's the poster? I've got so many memes. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, we're playing The Garage in London on the 25th of November, and we're playing Rescue Rooms in Nottingham on the 14th of december we're playing the album in full and it'll be amazing if we can sell these shows out because these are the biggest things we've ever done and i'm really excited for them yeah that's that's all i got going on perfect
1: (laughs) man well thank you so much we
0: appreciate you coming on hope you had fun absolute pleasure
1: yeah that was our chat with dan olds of palm reader um it was interesting to get someone on that wasn't a wasn't a united fan (laughs) wasn't a wasn't a fan of a premier league team so yeah it was a good chat i really enjoyed that i remember saying to dan just after the interview that like it was just such an enjoyable conversation to be a part of so yeah thanks to dan for coming on um right matt where can people get in touch with us what are the social channels oh yeah so handles? twitter
2: let's get it twitter is at heavy metal ftbl um we're so close to 100 followers so just follow us because even if you don't want to look at the tweets just follow us because we want the clout of 100 followers <laughs> um it's not very many but it's still a 100 um and then the instagram is at uh at, oh god the instagram is x heavy metal football x and then you can also email us and i believe the email again as liam also fucked this up earlier i think it's pod.heavymetalfootball at gmail.com so if you've got any questions yeah, <laughs> send us the send us an email again we've had no hate we've had nobody to come and say your opinions are bullshit um, and that disappoints me. So, if you want to send us some grief, please do.
1: That's where to get us. That's, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> or if you want to tell us that our music tastes shit, or we've got the wrong guests, or like, this podcast is awful, just tell us. Because, you know, we're here to listen.
1: Right, that actually reminds me, I had two... So, I went on a really long run on Sunday morning, and there was two albums that I listened to again and again and again on that run, that I really wanted to... Sort of pump the tires on this week, uh, this week. And one of them was by a band called Oh Fuck. Where is it? Right. Okay. So one band, one band is called Kingdom of Giants, and their oh. album is called Passenger. Mate, mm. fucking amazing. Riffs. Few riffs. Yeah, and the other band is called Alpha Wolf. Alpha and their Wolf. Album is called
2: alpha wolf of australia
1: album called um, i think it's called cult is it no not, is it cult with a v a quiet place to die Ah, a quiet place to die right anyone listening to this episode now there's two albums for you there one by a band called kingdom of giants and one by a band called alpha wolf both fucking incredible so that was the last thing i wanted to pop the tires on just before we finish this episode so that's kind of yeah that, that's all i wanted to squeeze into the outro there lovely they are two good bands very nice very heavy yeah they got me through a, a half marathon on a Sunday morning so yeah cool uh, that's us for this week we are back again next week with another one um, so until then signing off me bye <laughs> see ya